Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It's the 14th of February, 2022, the day of love, the day of amour. The day where Brian and I will probably declare none of that and we'll just fight for two hours because it's time for Morning Combat. Hello, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I am one half of your hosting duo right here in Washington, D.C. I am joined by the crown prince of Connecticut, my friend and yours. According to Twitter, the biggest Robert Whitaker fan that ever lived. I think it's a little unfair. It's Brian Campbell. Hi, Brian. How are you? Luke, uh, I'm, I'm fine. Thank you. Uh, happy Valentine's Day to you and your beautiful wife and daughter and mother-in-law and all the Great women in your life, Luke. Um, I am offering open mouth kisses to every single one of our listeners today only, Luke. Okay, it's a special I got going on today only. All right. If you don't get COVID, you will get herpes. It's one way or the other. You're getting a communicable disease. Uh, how was your Super Bowl, BC? Did you do anything fun for it? You know, it it turned out to be awesome, and it was as low key as possible. Shout out to my wife, of course, for picking up some some yummy uh, Super Bowl, you know, apps, and then. Uh, Got to watch the first half with both sons, but one of my sons uh, went the distance with me. So to be watching a game that fun and competitive, you know, with your with your 14 year old mini you next to you, it was it was a great moment in father son history. Luke, okay, my dad never a sports fan, but we watched a couple Super Bowls together. We watched all the the Tyson 90s pay per views. We watched the early UFC cards in those times. Luke, very memorable. I wish you and your father uh, could have watched a few. Super Bowls together, if only things had been different. Well, I'm glad we're bringing up family troubles out of nowhere and for no good reason, BC. Glad you're here. Uh, Today on the show, (laughs) we'll get to UFC 271 stuff. A lot of UFC 271 stuff, so that should be a lot of fun. And uh, believe it or not, I think we're going to have a pretty interesting debate here today. I'm excited for that on the show. Plus, we got some boxing to get to. Your questions with DMs from Donks. Have you seen this shit? We have a lot to get to. Uh, Look, true or false, true or false, during Super Bowl... uh, LVI last night, uh, you had, um, uh, what do you call that movie playing in your house at that moment? Oh, Encanto? Yes, yes. No, no, no. We actually did have, okay, so this is true. We actually did have the Super Bowl on, but I was, I worked through most of it. Uh, believe it or not, I, I did tape study through almost the entire version of it. And it didn't really matter because I had planned to like, oh, I'm going to take a break during the Super Bowl. I'll just watch that. And then I go outside, and my wife and daughter were asleep at the national anthem on. So 
Yeah. Uh, that was my Super Bowl experience. I just worked. It was great. Great, well, great life I, told, I have. One thing I told my son at the end of that thrilling game when we both felt for young Joe Burrow was, don't worry, Joe follows Morning Combat on IG. He's going to have plenty to be excited about today, okay? He played well, too, even through the injury. He played well, but what are you yeah. going to do? Yeah. Um, okay, we'll talk about the halftime show and whatnot later. Got to remind everyone, this is Showtime. In fact, you can catch BC on Friday on Showtime when he's on Showbox. Why wouldn't you want more BC? Showtime.com. Get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, pounce in. BC, who is fighting in the main event on Showbox this weekend? We know how great this lightweight division is in boxing for, for so many promising young fighters. You got two that are looking to, to enter that group as uh, Jermaine Ortiz, the unbeaten uh, who, Luke, just fought prospect Joseph Adorno to an exciting majority draw, is looking to to prove that that the good stuff he showed in that fight was no fluke when he takes on Nahir Albright, who is one of those rare fighters, Luke, who's improving as a punching as a as a as a finisher the the more he steps up in class. So uh, I'm looking forward to this triple header Friday night, Orlando, Florida. Barry Tompkins, Raul Marquez, Steve Farhood, your boy BC. We're gonna get down with it. So I'm I'm very excited. Sounds very good. I'm looking forward to watching that. I certainly will on Friday. Also want to remind folks, uh, let's see, the email. We do it for Wednesday's fan subs. We do it for Friday's Dead Wrong. Or if you need to reach the show, morningcombat at gmail.com will be the email. And then, BC, I know we have a morningcombat.store thing people can go to. Yes. We haven't had a uh, sales pitch in a while. You know, we had, we, we, we had times float some nice sales, some nice percentages off. Today, we're just going to tell you, we got the best merch in the game, hands down, over at morningcombat.store. You want to wear this fantastic new hoodie created by RJ Dunkelmaker and the crew. You want to wear this fantastic dad hat. It's available for you, top of the page right now, morningcombat.store. Luke, well, you would probably agree with this. Are some of our items gaudy if you're not into the jokes? Maybe. But does this shit feel comfortable? Does it make you want to wear it every day, Luke? I know you chose the pastel dress shirt today in honor of Easter. And I commend that Luke as a, as a, you know, as a fellow celebrator of a great holiday. But uh, I will say that th this MK stuff, it's for life. Luke, I wear my crap all the time. If RJ Dunkelmaker is watching this, I want that hoodie and hat BC wears. I have neither of them. Oh, and hey, I would like all right. You Where think you RJ and I have recovered from the, the Dr. Nasser joke? I mean, I thought he was in on what we do here. And then people are like, Oh no, you might be, you might've gone too far this time. BC. Yeah, I mean, you only compared him to a guy accused of decades of serial rape. I mean, why wouldn't he take that lightly? I just mean his attention to detail, Luke, is very high, very high, okay? Yeah, just there are probably like, other ways to to, to communicate that argument versus He has that. the steady hand of a doctor is what I was saying, Luke, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll leave the steady hand comment alone because that's, this is terrible. So let's move on if we can. And let's start with UFC 271. Now, on fight night, I believe BC and I were not terribly far apart, but pretty far apart. But actually, I feel like we've gotten a lot closer. Still, I did the post-fight show, BC. We are yet to hear from you, so I will pitch it to you first and early. Let's start with a very basic framing of the question, and then let's build out from there. First things first, how did you score the main event between Israel Adesanya and Robert Whitaker at UFC 271? Uh, three rounds to two in favor of Robert Whitaker. I know that's going to set off the same type of bells and whistles and alarms that, that happened on Twitter as soon as the fight ended. And yeah, I, I've kept those receipts. I know who you people are. But here's the point, Luke. I ended up scoring it three rounds to two for Robert Whitaker. 
But this fight, it was really up for grabs in anyone's fight because this was the ultimate chess match. We came in banging this drum about the potential for this to be a historically relevant, great fight between two all-time greats, two of the greatest middleweights in the history of this sport. And while it didn't have the action and back and forth barn burner element, it was a fun ass watch of the highest skill level across five rounds. But what I'm not, what I'm not here to do today is to convince you or explain to you that Robert Whitaker, without a shadow of a doubt, is your rightful 49, you know, 48-47 winner in this fight. Or am I here to tell you that most of what BC said he will do was spot on. This fight will go the distance. Robert Whitaker will fight off the back foot and lower the overall uh, striking output and make this a detailed chess match. And, you know, a couple other things. He would mix in takedowns to produce the threat of it. All of that happened. What didn't happen was a consistent back and forth, which leaves the scoring very, very much open to interpretation. And I think what I do, what I do want to accomplish today along with you, Luke, is at least paint the proper picture of what scoring actually is in terms of the criteria and what we actually saw Saturday night. Because I think groupthink was completely out of control on this one. And I think it was fueled by Michael Bisping and Daniel Cormier on commentary. No disrespect to two greats, but uh, I think overall, I don't believe you can come out of this fight, whether you had it three rounds to two like two of the judges, or whether you had a scorecard I just don't understand from referee Mike Beltran, who was judging the main event, giving four rounds to one in favor of Adesanya, including that fifth round. I don't see how everyone choosing Adesanya at the end of this five-round fight are as confident as they actually are, Luke, because you will you have to agree with me on one thing, okay? Whitaker was better than the first fight, of course, but Whitaker, by fighting off the back foot and forcing Adesanya to be the stalker, neutralized the great champion, took what, the, what Adesanya does almost better than anybody in the history of the sport, which is stand back in that spider web, make you come to him, and counter you and eventually finish you clean, he took that away from him, similar to what Yoel Romero did. But I thought, Luke, he was offensive enough to, to have, a, to have a, a say when those scorecards were read. I liked Robert Whitaker's confidence afterwards in saying, look, I'm going to take this as a moral win because I feel I won. I don't think either fighter did enough to leave no doubt. But if you're Team Adesanya, if you're Bisping and Cormier, if you're the fans who came at me on Twitter afterwards, I would love a detailed explanation of everything Adesanya did right to leave no doubt that he won three, even four rounds on this night. Luke, that evidence is just not there. Can't give you four. I can give you three. But before we do that, let's back up a step one more for your scorecard. Give me your scores round by round. So how did you break up the three for Robert Whitaker? Because I will note, there actually is some a little bit of disparity about it. But most people, tell me if I'm right, most people who have Whitaker winning have two, four, and five. Is that you? Yeah, I had two, four, and five. Shout out to Josh Gross, who outed himself to find journalists on Twitter for having the same in the same rounds. Here's the deal, Luke. Round one, obviously, Adesanya all the way. Dropped him late. Got the better of the striking. I think it was the most offensive Robert Whitaker was in coming forward. And I think he learned a lot that for him to have success, he was going to have to take that step back. Again, slow the pace and make it strike for strike. Round five, I thought, I don't see how anyone is scoring round five for Ridgeville Adesanya when Robert Whitaker was countering clean throughout, did get a takedown. And look, Luke, I think two, two, three, and four 
I give Whitaker two and four. And I'm here to tell you, round three is no uh, no brainer either, okay? Because here's the deal: if you're banking on Israel Adesanya's damage, and I got a lot of tweets saying, "Look at the faces of both of them afterwards," yeah, I got a lot of things. To, I got a lot of things to say about that. First of all, that first round is 10-9. You don't carry that along the rest of the way. He got a knockdown. Congratulations, okay? But you're essentially scoring Adesanya's calf kicks against Whitaker's counter jabs. And for everyone saying, oh, cool that Whitaker got takedowns, but he didn't do damage. Hey, guys, when there is no damage in a round to, to score, to, you know, interpret, that's when these other categories come into play. Ring Not generalship. Quite. Not quite. Not if there's no damage, if the damage is perceived as even. Oh, okay. Well, to me, no damage is the same thing as equal. And Okay, there wasn't no damage, but the damage was so equal okay. that to act as if at that point, takedowns mean nothing, limiting Adesanya to one strike at a time means nothing, then I don't think everyone understands, Luke, this sport and how to how to score it at the end of the day. I, I obviously get that there was so much group thing coming out of that broadcast, and believe me, I got a paper full of timestamps to show you situations in which Whitaker landed clean shots, and not only was the commentary team not recognizing it, they were essentially criticizing him during those same exchanges for not throwing more than one strike at a time. While I agree, Whitaker doesn't get to argue vehemently that he won because he was throwing one strike at a time. What the heck was Adesanya throwing, Luke? One calf strike at a time, and he was on his back, and he had to fight off a choke. All of that stuff matters when the damage is equal, and Luke... Go back and rewatch rounds two through five, which I know you did. And I'm sorry, I'm here to tell everybody all of the damage was equal across the board, meaning not much happened from rounds two through five. So to act unequivocally as if the, the only way you can win a championship is by hurting the champion, that doesn't work if the champion's not jabbing, if the champion is not landing a, a, a such a higher amount of strikes that there's no argument or if the champion isn't regularly landing damage. And after round one, the champion was not regularly landing damage. Look, uh, again, I'm not, you can call me Robert Whitaker super fan all you want, but this is not that dissimilar to Romero versus Adesanya from the factor that the champion went to the scorecards and took a major gamble for the second time during this reign, Luke. Okay, so there's a lot there we got to get to. Um, I'm not sure exactly where to start from my end because I kind of want to meet you in the middle. But I will tell you, um, I, I, let's start with like the scoring. We're actually uh, in lockstep for three of the five rounds. We both agree round one is Adesanya's. We both agree round fives are Whitaker's. And when I bring these two up, I mean like it's clearly Adesanya's round one. To me, it's clearly round five for Robert Whitaker. I, I am shocked to see that Mike Beltran gave him a gave him the second round, but not the fifth. I don't. I don't get that at all. I also agree that Whitaker won the fourth. So we are in agreement that the first, the fourth, and the fifth, pretty easy to call. It's the second and the third where, where things get a little bit um, dicey for me. Let me tell you how I saw the fight upon rewatch, BC, and let's see if we can figure out where we differ and then what why that may, may be. I actually share your opinion that, A, I did think Michael Bisping was good earlier in the, earlier in the night, and I don't think that, like, DC and Bisping ride for Adesanya they may have had a good or bad commentary but you would agree that like I don't think they're pushing an Adesanya narrative like because they really want to see Adesanya win they just got kind of wrapped up in the moment I think that's kind of what happened um we can get to that a little later if you want but this is where I scored it round one Adesanya right all we all agree about that round two this is the controversial round but to me I see the fight a little bit differently 
I have gone back and I have watched round two a lot. Now, everyone's going to be different. You're right. It's mostly a, a decision about what do you count more, some of the jabs that Whitaker got or the leg kicks that Adesanya got. Numerically, which is not qualitatively, Adesanya landed more 16 to 12, and he threw more 49 to 38. So he was a little bit busier that round. That may have influenced the judges. For me, BC, for me, going through round two, I cannot find it for Robert Whitaker. I honest to God tried. I couldn't do it. I still give that one to Adesanya. Right, it let may me be stop subject- you there. Well, if you don't mind. Just, one last sentence about it. I can admit that, you know, what, what landed more damage? Do I really know? I don't. I don't really know. But for me, it looked like they were having a little bit more authority than what the jabs were doing. That's just All what right. I'm at. I'll say this. I actually think upon rewatch of rounds two through five, the round where I am the least confident that it was definitely a Whitaker round is round two, which, which makes sense that that's the swing round. And again, right. anybody... Richard, man, anybody who came at me for my awful 48-47 score in favor of Whitaker, which is 3-2, to two, guys, two of the three judges had it 3-2 to two for Adesanya. So we are talking about a, a chess match rounds where it's a flip of the coin. So no score here, maybe except for Beltrons, in my opinion, is really out of line. But round two, Luke, for all the criticism Whitaker had for not being offensive when he scored a takedown, and you give Adesanya rightfully credit for popping up fairly quickly across the board, and I also understand even some mild criticism for Whitaker for, you know, not filling those gaps when Adesanya did stand up, not being as aggressive on the break as maybe he could have. Round two's takedown, the first one of the fight, Whitaker landed three flush punches from top and side position. That's exactly how you you know, hammer down the impact of a takedown. In round two, if you're going to say without question, that's an oddest on your round, and I know you're not saying that, Luke, how do you look at the takedown mixed with three flush shots from top position and make a case for Adesanya's work being better than that when, Luke, you're, you, I mean, look, the same criticisms Bisping and DC are giving Riddicker throughout for only landing one strike at a time, not stepping in and, and throwing combinations, you have to give that same criticism to Adesanya because I get that. Not if he's we, the busier guy, you don't. The if way he's we the busier interp- guy, you don't. He's the busier guy in round two. In round though. two, mathematically, he is the busier guy. Not overwhelming enough. And I know you can just as easily flip my argument against me and say, look, Adesanya is the guy coming forward. So if we're really going down to what yeah, matters. That, that doesn't mean anything either. After hold on. damage. To, to your point, let's just say. Well, hold on. I, 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 I'm saying this. But for I know, a but point, I, haven't given the, I haven't given the case for what I think is the story of the fight. We're still stuck into the early part well, of the fight. Well, we the should fight be because the this round. is the story. The story is the scoring and all here. And what I'm saying it's is really. even if you want to use that argument against me, Luke, Whitaker's forcing him in. And is not throwing. So in terms of ring generalship, across the board, even in round two, Whitaker is controlling that as well. So how are you, even you, Luke, able to give more credit to calf strikes in round two than a guy taking a guy down and landing flush shots? He's taking them flush. I think they had an impact on his movement. More to the point, the takedown, you know, you said he landed three punches. I looked at him. They didn't look all that heavy to me. They look like they count. I count them. But the total control time, which includes pressing him into the fence both or afterwards because he had to run it down. But... Uh, is a total of 52 seconds. That includes time along the fence line. This is just not, like, for example, we had a criticism that did Francis really do enough on top of Cyril Gaon in rounds four and five in their fight. He was on top for nearly three minutes each time. He had almost six minutes of total control time. I don't think he had six minutes, Robert Whitaker, collectively over the course of five rounds. In fact, I don't think he got even close to that. So 
to me, it's like he got him to his rear end. But here's the thing. I, I was with you like when uh, some of the re- – in the fifth round, when he takes the back and threatens the choke, that's the best use of takedowns I thought he had almost the entire time. True. Ex- if we're excluding the how it set up some of his strikes. Um, that, to me, was unimpeachable. It was great. And I grant that he took him down here. But here's the thing. I, I actually feel like it's a little unfair to Whitaker and a little unfair to Izzy. Izzy's at the point now where his takedown defense and his scrambling is so fucking good. It's actually going to be really hard to beat him that way. Obviously, a bigger dude like Blahovich was able to do it. Whitaker came from welterweight to middleweight. It's going to be a lot harder for him. So, to me, that's not really, I think, yes, could he have done more there? Yeah, probably. Probably he could have done more there, but it's pretty hard. But for me... I just thought the better damage was from Adesanya, not in an overly conclusive way. I grant you, it is it is close, but that's the way I saw it. But this is where, for me, yeah, this is the change Yeah, but who would you rather be, Luke? And this this is the swing round. So Adesanya, I know you want to get me out of this rounds, conversation. Through two rounds, I would much rather be. But Luke, two I'll rounds, go sixty would... minutes on round two because if this is the swing round, who but would you is, rather dude, be? The guy that gets taken down and hit three he, times? Dude, he didn't really get taken down, dude. If you pop right back up, that I mean, yes, it counts, but you got to do something with it. Three shots. Not a lot with it, dude. My whole point you're, is, you're I'm not here to tell you. The value there, Luke. I'm not here to tell you that three punches on top are overly effective. But when we're comparing that to counter calf kicks from Adesanya in round two, once again, I don't see the overwhelming argument that it's no doubt. I just, I don't even get how you score round two for Adesanya. Dude, I just think you count. You don't think those calf kicks are all that impactful. I think they're majorly impactful. I think they have a real benefit sure. when 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 they land. They have a real benefit. He was lighting them up with those in the second when they're round. Not think... being, when they're not being equaled by clean counter jabs, which I think washes those calf strikes in the end. I don't think they – I really don't think it does. I count the jabs, and the jabs end up being the story in many ways of the fight for Robert Whitaker. Certainly I would agree, but in round two, they were just not cooking enough for me. But this is what I was trying to get to, BC, and this is where the revelation that I had – Here's what's kind of interesting for me. I watched round two several times. I couldn't find it for Whitaker. And then we moved to round three. And through the first four minutes of that round, I'm like, dude, Whitaker's winning round three better than he's winning round. Like, I I was heading into round the, the end of round three. I was like, dude, this is Whitaker's round. But I think what changed it, and this is really what saved Adesanya, I think, ultimately, is that the 42-second mark of round number three, he lands a, a either a leg or a calf kick. But it's the kind that drove a big reaction from Robert Whitaker. He actually lifts it, not as a blocking mechanism, but after he gets hit and then kind of stumbles a little bit. It was really demonstrative. And then after that, from the 42nd mark, 42nd mark, excuse me, on, Izzy lands a series of hard punches that land straight to Whitaker's face following up and Whitaker backs up. In other words, I think he kind of stole the round at the very end there by that last push. But this is what I wanted to say, BC. To me, that fight turns at the three-round mark. When the third round starts, what I learned from watching that upon review was that Whitaker took away everything Adesanya wanted to do. He stayed away, like uh, for example, like Fury did against Wilder, where he had to double jab to get into range, which he didn't do the first time. He was able to intercept and get off the center line and throw his jab and then follow behind it. Then later on, as we noted in the fourth and fifth rounds, bringing in more of the wrestling, and the control time in the third round was 1 minute and 38 seconds. Now, that is pretty good. That is substantial. That's the kind you just can't overlook. What do I bring this up to say? BC, the two biggest things to me that cost Robert Whitaker, maybe you could throw in, do more with the takedowns, but I honestly believe that Adesanya, we just got to respect it at this point, his ability to get up off the mat, especially along the fence line, and then defend the takedown there is great. What I think cost Whitaker is, one, that 42-second push in round three, and, dude, he got started cold. 
he got started cold. If that round, if that fight was one more round, there's not a doubt in my mind Robert Whitaker wins that contest. But the fact oh, no that question. he started, I think he was right to like stay centered, right? Don't make too many mistakes. Don't get overwhelmed. I got it. But Izzy came out hot. So he took the first round right away, and now Robert has to win three of the next four, and they're going to be close and difficult. You shift that back one round, the guy who started round two. If the guy who started round two starts round one, Robert Whitaker's your new UFC middleweight champion of the world. I am sure of that. Look, you know, I gave, I, I scored, what, the Romero fight three to two, and I don't have nearly the the confidence I do in this scoring. Uh, nothing happened in that fight as well, and I think it came down to interpretation of the guy coming forward, not Asanya throwing leg strikes, or the guy landing heavy counter shots in Romero once in a while. Again, I thought neither man in that fight had the argument that they definitely should have won. And now, Luke, this is the second time Adesanya's, look, leaving it up to interpretation, leaving it up to the judges uh, on lack of overall output that they'll reward supposedly his harder and cleaner shots. And while your argument for round three being Adesanya based on that late surge, again, if you interpret it that way, that's fine. But you know what round three was filled with? Every time Whitaker did have success, ducking under the jab and countering with clean ones on his own, you had DC and Bisping pointing out how much his one strike approach won't work. And then Luke, and I think here ultimately, look, these guys aren't judges, but they do, they do paint a narrative that becomes overpowering when you're watching at home and you're not scoring, or you're watching at home and you maybe don't understand the nuances the same. There was constant talk in round three and even the first half of four about how what Whitaker is doing cannot take the belt from a champion as mm -hmm. great as Adesanya. Again, guys, that argument holds no value when the champion has no output. Because at the end of the day, you don't have to take the belt from the champion, which is the working narrative. You have to win three of the five rounds against the champion. So we really have to move off of that idea of looking at it. Because even though Adesanya wasn't getting bruised, bloodied, he also wasn't effective, really, Luke, after the first round. You like that pocket of strikes at the end of round three? That's fine. Well, but I, he wasn't more effective. I think if I'm just asked, like, if I'm trying to think, like, how did the judges give it to him? I can't think of any other reason to give it to him but for that. That's all I'm saying. It, it, it's tough. And, you know, I'm not here to kill Bisping and, and, and Cormier just the same, but. Also, in fairness to Cormier, didn't he, by the end of that fight, be like, I don't know, Mike, I think there's some pretty yeah, some swing rounds in the middle. He started to tease that in round four, which I thought was a not a clear, but again, when you're matching up the very little amount of offense that happened, I favored Whitaker's because, yeah, well, look, let me ask you this, okay? And to your, okay, to, to close on that point, yes. At the end of round four, Bisping says, look, I got it four to nothing. You got to take the belt from the champion, which is wrong. DC Connor said, I don't know, Mike. I think it might be closer and interpreted better. Luke, while we are overly praising Adesanya for getting up right away when taken down, and obviously you give him that credit. Outside of the three punches he took in round two on the ground, he really didn't take any damage the rest of the way, and he got out of that choke. But because he's not doing much once he's getting back up, and because he didn't even attempt to take down against Whitaker, let alone do it. Don't you favor those interactions and exchanges for Whitaker because he's taking the champion off of his game, forcing him to use energy to fight up? I'm not saying you would use that as your lead defense of why Whitaker could have won a round because, no, he's not offensive enough in those situations. But when the damage is equal... Don't those work in his favor? Even if it's one takedown per round, it's the one mixed with the multiple attempts. I mean, as much as people don't like when we overly score takedowns that don't come with action, 
It sounds a lot like we're overly scoring the fact that Adesanya got up so quickly each time, even though he's getting taken down cleanly, Luke. Well, for the folks who don't know the rules, I'm not saying UBC. For folks out there, defense is supposed to be counted as its own reward. So Izzy should not be awarded metaphorical points for getting out of a takedown or escaping a submission. The idea would be if you stuff the takedown, if you get out of a submission, the reward is you're no longer being threatened, you're no longer being taken down. So for folks who don't know that, uh, I would agree that if you see the damage as equivalent, like you've just looked at it, you're like, I don't know, man, it looks the same to me. And then one guy gets a takedown, even if it's pretty fleeting. Now, if it's super fleeting, I don't know about that. But, you know, sits his rear end down or whatever. Uh, yeah, I would d- decide that would be a that would be a tiebreaker in those instances. And to me, uh, in that fourth and fifth round, those, I don't know if there were tiebreakers, but the, 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 the grappling work that he was doing especially in that fifth round, but even in the fourth round, it adds to the overall body of work. And I would also argue that I don't think the striking is equal in round four. I actually think Robert Whitaker did a better job. Um, so he doesn't even need that fact. But to the to your point, yes, it would, be, look, a, it it, would be a tiebreaker. In four and five, how did Whitaker get those takedowns? By ducking uh, jabs coming at him and going right for the take. So look, there's a lot you have to like. Luke, I want to throw to some Michael Chandler tweets as we close sort of the debate about scoring here. Because... Sure. While, while Chandler was, I think, more aggressive than the case I'm ultimately trying to paint and maybe extra critical of Adesanya, I do want to get your take as to whether there's merit in here. Gaff, okay. if we could throw up a series of, uh, of about four tweets here from Chandler. He started by saying his first dominant as Izzy is, he isn't overly offensive. And look, you got to agree that's true. And I think you got to agree that that's because of Robert Whitaker. I will agree it's true, but I think people don't understand why. It's actually a revelation I had. Let's come back to this. Okay. Tweet number two here in this in this run here by uh, one Michael Chandler. Are we playing a game or are we fighting? Asking okay, that's for a silly. friend. I mean, Michael's entitled to his opinion. Yeah. I love Michael. But he also he tweeted, what are we playing? Touch button now. So you get that. But we're, we're, we're building a narrative here, Luke. He says, trust me, I love Izzy. But we've gotten to a point where a dominant champ just needs to stand there, throw a few shots per round, and he will not lose unless he gets caught and he will always get the nod. Izzy got paid on his last contract. Go fight. Don't you dare spar. Luke, mm. I'm not advocating per se to the, hey, Izzy, you're rich now, biatch. Why don't you go out there and give us a fight? Dude, <laughs> you want to you wanna play chess? It's in play. You want a John Fitcher fight? It's in play. But my question, is there any merit in that after two very close fights, Romero and now Robert Whitaker, where you can criticize the champ for... for for if not criticize the champ, criticize the combination of judging and the group right. thing created by the announcers for basically saying because the champion's not in peril, he's not losing this round. Right. I mean, I, that should never be in play, but you're asking like whether it should or shouldn't be. Is it? I don't know how you can say that that's not true when you look at a scorecard like Mike Beltran. Like if Mike Beltran had had... One through four for Izzy and then round five. Excuse me. Yeah, one through four for Izzy and round five for Whitaker. I know that you would still disagree with that co- scorecard, BC, but I could at least rationalize that. I could rationalize, you know, okay, of all the rounds you gave him, you gave him the fifth. That would make sense. But to not give him the fifth and then to give him the second, I I just don't know how you can argue that, like, champions in MMA and UFC sometimes don't win just by virtue of the inertia of their championship. I think there's probably a lot of evidence for that, to be honest with you. Let's, How much on Saturday night we can debate, but do I think it's a relevant factor? Yeah, yeah, I do. All right, I final really final tweet here from Chandler, which is uh, maybe further explaining his side. I'm not advocating banging 
over tactically fighting. I'll, I'll pick trying... banging over tactically fighting if you know what I'm saying on Valentine's Day. <laughs> Looks like the V stands for vaping, bitch. Uh, I'm trying uh, to advocate for is spirit of inflicting dominance in the face of danger. Don't play it safe. Take more chances. I don't need you to plod forward with reckless abandon, but have a little anger in your heart, end quote. Right. Luke, obviously this at. is a consider the source. Uh, you know, Chandler's one of the greatest action fighters of all time. He welcomes the danger. That's not necessarily Izzy unless you're coming after him, which is what Whitaker did in the first fight, and you, you're you just, you know, then he can use his strengths against you. Do you think if you're Eugene Behrman and company that you do have to understand, you may have dodged a bullet in the Romero fight and the Whitaker fight here, and you can't keep doing this or you're going to lose three rounds to two in a point fight if you're not, like Chandler says, a little bit more angry and wanting to prove your point. So I don't think that that's the best way to describe it, but I think you are you guys are both on to something. Here is the revelation that I had about watching Adesanya this time that should have occurred to me before. It's kind of obvious, but it's worth stating out loud. I don't think this is some grand revelation, but just think about something. Let's try this exercise very simply. Let's imagine a scenario. It's not Robert Whitaker. It's somebody else. But let's say that Israel Adesanya is in the is in the fight of his life, and he's down four rounds to zero. We're heading into the fifth. He's beat up, but he's not so beat up that you couldn't imagine a rally. After all, it is Israel Adesanya. But let's imagine that those first four rounds are just like, there's no doubt he, he lost them. Like, whatever that means, he lost them. Everyone agrees it's either knockout, submission, or you lose. What would Adesanya do in the fifth round tactically? Do you believe in your heart of hearts, if he went into that fifth round, he would choose to wrestle as a way to switch things up? Do you believe that? No. Right. And that is the point. Here is what I realized about Adesanya. He fights only one way. He fights only one way. One of the big revelations, now he has a lot of tricks that he pulls off, but one of the big revelations of the Blahovich fight was, I've talked about this, he took away, not all of it, but he took away a lot of the leg kicking, in part by taking him off of his feet, in part by checking a lot of it. That forced Adesanya to go and box a little bit more, and from there, Blahovich was quite competitive with him. He could actually do a lot with it. In other words, while Adesanya is as, I mean, no, I mean, yeah, no one has said more nice things about him in the last four years than me, and I still believe all those things. But what I mean to say is he only really fights one kind of way. If you shut off the spigot of leg kicks, it shuts off a dramatic portion of his offense because he's not going to go to these other levels. Could he go to a takedown? Could he go to the back? I'm actually sure that he could, but he well, Luke, doesn't. Well, let me finish. I got, I got to get this out, BC. I got to get it out. The I want being, get it out. I want to hear it, Luke. Okay, the point I'm trying to make here is one of the things that's going to cost him is because he keeps fighting everyone more or less the same way. Now he has different degrees of success, smaller tactics that he employs, some things he wants to do uh, in terms of a very granular approach. But he's going to strike with you. He's going to use his leg kicks. He's going to try and jab. And he's going to try and just do that. He's not going to try and take you down. He's not going to try and look for the back. And so what you saw from Robert Whitaker was a transformation that allowed him to account for those. What I'm arguing is, I think Izzy is the rightful winner on Saturday. I grant it's close, but I think he's the rightful winner. However, it is clear that people are figuring out how to fight him, how to take pieces of his game away, and because he doesn't have very many pieces in terms of the overall body of what MMA offers, shutting off just one or two has an enormous impact on his, on his influence offensively. Look, not only do I agree with you wholeheartedly, Although I, although you're you're leaning heavy on the if he can't calf kick you, he can't have success. I agree with you exactly. so much because 
this is what I said on Friday's show, meaning you to be able to pull this off, you have to be Robert Whitaker level. You have to be well-rounded, tough, all that. We already said, even though I predicted a Whitaker win, that it would be an uphill battle. But what I said was, I'm not going to call Adesanya one-dimensional because it's insulting and, and, and essentially says he has no other way of winning a fight. And look, he's too great. That's not true. But he's so much more likely to win a fight if you come at him. And he only comes forward when the tables have turned, when he is now going downhill because his opponent is either fatigued or Izzy has completely figured out their rhythms, similar to the second half of the first round against Brunson, where it's just, okay, he's going to go now into first gear and he's going to put it on you. If you take that away from him and make him come forward, Obviously, you're going to have to be super elite to pull it off. And like DC rightfully said ahead of the fight, you may have to be boring and risk, you know, getting booed by the crowd to do it. But it is possible because if you stay in that strength of Izzy, that what makes him so great, that spider web, nobody's coming out of that. You're going to get pieced up. But if you make him think and come forward, look, he's not the same fighter. It's just a fact now. I just want to point out, just to go back to the thing, I, 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 I'm more or I'm more or less agree with that. I'm more or less agree. I think it's a little bit overstated, but I think you're generally correct. But I just want to go back. If Saint, if Saint Pierre has been striking for four rounds and he's down in the fifth, he's coming out. I mean, he's going to wrestle before that. But the point being is, he would wrestle before that in part because he can, and in part because he would need to. I think it's worth thinking about. There are guys like Adesanya whose striking is so good that he can lord it over the division. But as a division gets mature and wise to a guy who competes in a similar, nearly identical kind of way, again, there are subtle and meaningful differences. That should be noted. But because he keeps going back to that well, they have picked up on what works and what doesn't. And it took him a long time to do it. But the I'm not going to say the cat's out of the bag, but for the high-level operators, they've got much, much, much more of a roadmap. And if Izzy can't find other gears, not just like – defensively wrestling the way he did is phenomenal. Dude, even Robert Whitaker couldn't really do shit to him on the ground, not in a meaningful way. Not for Enough to win certain pockets of the fight, yes, of course. But you know what I'm saying? Like, he didn't dominate him like he did Kelvin Gastelum. Dude, we got to give him to him. Izzy can do that. But that's not the same as taking another guy down and backpacking him or or, or Izzy, you know, doing being good at ground and pound and that being a way he wins fights. Like, Czech Congo completely different fighter, but he was a striker when he got into UFC, and now in Bellator, he's just a fucking wrestle ground and pounder. He found other ways to find ways to win. I think if Adesanya wants to have continued success, that's going to be important to really add those layers Damn in. Right. have trouble without it. And let me say this up front here. Um, Adesanya's one of my favorite fighters of all time. I pre- you know, I favored him to beat Blahovich. I think, you know, he's still number, what is he, number two pound for pound at worst? I mean, yeah, this worst. guy's great. But I did get a little Felix Trinidad feeling. Let me explain this to you, Luke. You remember Felix Trinidad in boxing? Of course. In the late 90s, he was unstoppable at 147, 154, just by walking dudes down with that pressure. It's it's almost the opposite of Adesanya. He was more coming at you at all times. But Oscar De La Hoya in that very controversial loss, and again, you have to be a super elite to pull this off, created a blueprint where Trinidad just wasn't the same fighter if you are circling away from him and making him chase because he's so much better at, at, at chasing you on his terms, you know, sitting down on his shots and letting his combinations go. But when you are just making him chase, it's different. What did Bernard Hopkins use to, to finally beat him in that great fight at middleweight? The, 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 the blueprint that, uh, that he put out there. So 
you know, I'm not fearing that Adesanya is the Death Star here and that some, you know, some orphaned pilot from Tatooine is going to be the guy that eventually implodes it. I'm just saying, Luke, it's going to be interesting moving forward to your point. And I'm wondering, truthfully, if now's the time to go up to 205 full time where you can lean much more in the speed and technique advantages. Um, I don't know, Luke, it's an interesting debate. It certainly is an interesting debate. Let's Before we move to Rob Woodhurl, let's say one last thing about Izzy. For me, again, I think you would agree it's not hard. I mean, okay, there is a, even you would agree there is a case for Adesanya to win this fight. And for me, I, 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 can't, I can't find three rounds for Whitaker. Although, I again, I think the story of the fight is that it turned in the third, and what he did was really the impressive part. Still, for Adesanya, and I made this point on Saturday, I do want to make sure we get say something nice about the champion here because he did win. And again, I do think, personally, he is the rightful winner. BC, you would agree, however close this fight was, and it was close, we knew Whitaker was going to be a tough customer. It is, to me, quite remarkable that a guy like Adesanya, you know, when, when, when Anderson Silva came to the UFC, he already had four losses. Different career, different era, I understand. And then what he did in his 30s was unbelievable. But to be undefeated in MMA all the way through, now other guys in your division, including former champions, getting a second crack at you, and to still be undefeated, especially when you fight kind of one way the whole time, it is remarkable. He is a special champion. And that's why even guys like Robert Whitaker, as as good as he did, even he had to really kind of struggle to get three rounds from him. Adesanya is a fucking force and has been. He's great. He's great. That's why if you had a 3-2 Adesanya, yeah. I mean, you know, he he... You know what he did, Luke? He avoided getting any kind of serious trouble. And, and to, a, to a certain degree, that's what champions do. Obviously, I just need I need something more. I need a consistent jab. I need something. Luke, his kicking game, you know, I mean, look, the, the calf kicks kept him in it, in my mind, if I'm scoring at 3-2 Whitaker. But I don't think there was enough constant threat of his kicking game, constant threat of high kicks. It's funny he you mention much- that. Yeah. He was strong with it for the first two rounds and then kind of got away from it a little bit, which was funny because I rewatched the Blahovich fight. Granted, different fight. Okay. But through two rounds, he was heavy with the kicking there and then kind of got away from it a little bit, which could be just, you know, the way in which he likes to fight. I'm not sure what best explains that, but you're right. It wasn't a, uh, it had its moments. It had its moments, but it wasn't a consistently applied technique uh, in a way that you, you would imagine it could have been. I think that's probably pretty fair. Luke, isn't Izzy the same age John Jones was at light heavyweight when the others started catching up with him a bit, when you could have scored it for Maheta or Dom Reyes? And to be fair, Luke, uh, you know, and I've said this in the Maheta fight, you could you could have scored that 3-2 against John, and the criticism against John would have been, you're not offensive enough. You're playing it a little too safe. You're trying to be a little too perfect. Um they're catching up. They're catching up to Izzy Luke. I don't think it's as much due to due to timing and physicality as maybe for Jones, but they're catching up, Luke. And, so what's and happening something- is we got we got to move to Whitaker. But what's happening here is I think um, he's had these winning performances like Romero, the Blahovich not, but you know a lot of these winning performances, second Vittori fight, this one as well, where you're seeing that. Um, Guys will have a little bit of success here or there, and you begin to be like, oh, that's why they're having success. To me, Whitaker is the first guy to take a lot of that and then put that together. Learned practices about what works and what doesn't. Sometimes through trial and error, by the way, in the case of Whitaker, what works, what doesn't. Let's put together the best game plan we can against that. To me, this is the best one I've seen against Adesanya ever. Final question. Blahovich won, but in terms of other middleweights. Final question. 
I mean, it's three two Romero crazy, Luke. Because I don't. think Yeah, it's crazy. I don't. I don't buy the three two Romero. I don't see that. Sorry. All right, that's fair. Let's that's let's fair. talk about Whitaker because there's one more question about this point number two. It'll be in the rundown. Let's just move to that because we more or less got everything in point number one. Where does Robert Whitaker go from here? Because he was calling for a third fight at the time. I didn't think much of it. Dana White didn't think much of it. Even though I've had a you know uh, a greater appreciation for what he's done, BC, I don't see a lot of people urgently calling for that. And if Izzy goes to 205, Kamaru could come up. If you're advising Robert Whitaker on his next step, what do you say? You got to stay at middleweight because he's too small for light heavyweight, obviously. Look, you could say, really, for as close as these guys fought on Saturday night, the fact that he's that much shorter and, and has a length disadvantage against somebody like Izzy, who's obviously not only tall and long, but incredibly skilled and quick to go with that, that, that height and reach advantage, you know, did a lot to, to keep him... Uh, on the outside and not able to throw multiple shots at a time. So it's got to stay at middleweight. But Luke, you know, it's something that he did mention after the fact when they did ask him about what's next and could you get a trilogy down the line. The only thing you can do given his age is go back, face the the, the next top guy at middleweight and, you know, win as many as you'll have to win in a short period to get another title shot. And to your point, it may be Izzy again once he, once Robert, you know, if he does, it clears out everybody else in front of him. Or it could be a completely different fighter. Izzy could very well, you know, after this fight next against Cannoneer, if they end up doing it, could move up to 205 then full-time. And I think, again, that's that might be the right move for Izzy to take the time to put on the weight properly and do it and, and to sort of say, look, this is chapter two of my career. I've more or less cleaned out middleweight. Maybe I got Cannoneer left and that's it. But I think if you're Whitaker, Luke, you are still right here below Adesanya at middleweight and everybody else is right about here, right? I mean, Whitaker... Yeah. He had some close he had some close fights in that three fight win streak to get here, but he proved each time he's the guy in each one. He's gonna have to prove it again, Luke, but I think he will, and I think that's the right mindset because he's not done competing for the UFC middleweight title. I, I don't think how how the hell could you say that after this fight? Yeah, I would agree. This is not Anderson Silva, Rich Franklin, right? In the rematch with 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 uh, Rich Franklin, Anderson wiped the floor with him, or you know, and the rematch, well, I guess the, was the first time was different, but in the third fight, you know, Liddell picked up off where he did on the second fight. Or, you know, you, these times you've had these dominant weight class guys and then the challenger come up, like, you know, Uriah Faber to Aldo. They, they were just never really that close. It was never really, there was one guy who was better than the rest of the guys and then there was one guy ahead of that. You have that dynamic. Whitaker is better than the rest of the guys and can't beat the other one. But here's the difference. Rich Franklin, as I mentioned, got run over. These other guys were never close. Dude, Whitaker was real close, like really, really close. I know the scores don't reflect that per se, but the reality reflects that. So if I was advising Robert Whitaker, I'd be the same as you. Stay at middleweight, stay patient, stay calm. I know that's not what you want to hear, but there is at a bare minimum another title fight in your future in this weight class, if not the well, belt itself. And potentially, you know, who, who knows against who. But and just to I, he counteract can you, to come at you a little bit, you just said the scores didn't indicate that. Yeah, they did indicate how close it was. Two of the three judges. 49-46 doesn't indicate how close it was. Okay, that's one, and it's a bad scorecard. The other two tell you this is a 3-2 fight, which tells you that if right. one of those swing you rounds are I'm seen saying. the other way. You know what I'm saying? That there's but, not the kind of like push based well, on Luke, the results afterwards, enough that the public accepts that there should be some kind of rematch. So in that sense, the scores and then the attitude don't reflect the closeness. And I don't want to criticize Adesanya without saying the same. And I said this on CBS Sports HQ after the fight. The reason why Whitaker, again, didn't win this and doesn't have the overwhelming argument, too, is he also took that same chance that the judges might reward his art and craft against Adesanya when there was such little offense landing. So, Luke, if 
Whitaker had been busier, which Bisping and, and, and Cormier wanted him to, would you say he more than likely could have got pieced up and stopped if he was? So that was I sort think, of the best fight he could have fought? I just go back to it, dude. I think that cold start really hurt him. Like, can you really gripe with his performances from, again, some people might think he run one, one round two, it's dicey, whatever. But can you really gripe with his performances after round three? I don't think you can. I really don't. I don't think you can. But that cold start fucked him. Yeah. It really did. And, 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 and it should give credit. The hot start from Izzy absolutely was essential. Coming out, uh, I mean, he, you could argue, by the way, BC, he started a little bit too hot because it gave him that advantage in the first round, but then he kind of faded down the stretch. But it was crucial in how the fight was defined, at least according to the judges, that he came out. I, I think we shouldn't lose sight of that. He came out really hot, dropped him, and that might have set the in, intellectual tone or the or however they were perceiving it for the entirety of that fight, at least up until the fifth anyway. so. And as much as I want to say Izzy wasn't busy enough to fill everybody's argument, through two fights, he's proved he's the better fighter. There's no question about that, which is my point of saying, had Whitaker been busier, I think he gets stopped. So I think he fought... Really the perfect fight to have an argument. But even if we say, you know, negative things about Izzy, he's the better fighter through now seven, you know, nearly seven full rounds against one another. That's, That's right. why, you know, you can't gripe about him surviving and advancing at the end. That's of the right. I mean, here, this is the wake up call to everybody. It's like, dude, Robert Whitaker had basically seven rounds, seven times. He got to come out uh, from the back of the corner. Obviously, the first round doesn't you know count exactly that way. But seven times. Are you ready? Are you ready? Go. Right. He's had that. And he couldn't get the win. And again, I feel like Adesanya is the rightful winner from Saturday. But the wake-up call, the lesson here is, okay, let's say, obviously, Izzy won the first time, totally fair. Second time, very, very close, at a bare minimum, very close. But the lesson here is, like, dude, look at the ground that Whitaker gained on him and, and what he had by the end of that fifth. The way in which Adesanya competes is overwhelming for some. But for the right kind of operator... They can read all the patterns because it's kind of focused on one, two dimensions of the game. There aren't these other threats. I really think that's going to be something you're going to see people take advantage of if some of those things don't change on Adesanya's end going forward. Uh, do you uh, think, do you, final question, final, final, final question. Do you think Jared Cannonier, Sean Strickland, Paulo Costa, anybody else in the top 10 who's hoping to get either their first or another chance at, at Izzy, do they exit 271 more confident in their chances? I think we'll talk about Cannoneer in a second. I definitely feel like he likes his chances. Now, you could say that's delusion. You could say he's right. But Cannoneer is going in there to win whenever they fight. And I don't think there's any debate about that. But I also feel like whoever these guys are, you're going to all have to see Robert Whitaker eventually. And yes, good luck. You're going to need it. All right. Point number three. Let's talk about the co-main event. What a fucking fight this was in its own kind of way. Taito Ivasa easily gets the win of his career, knocking out Derek Lewis. I called it a one-shot elbow on Saturday. Yes, there was this whole skirmish before, but it was the one elbow against the fence, and then he drops. I realize he'd been hit before that, but okay. That's why I said it that way. Either way, BC, doesn't matter. In your mind, based on what you saw from Tuivasa, we'll talk about his upside and everything else in a minute. Was that the kind of fight that told you he deserved a title shot? Wow, wow. Uh, not yet, but he made a a a massive freaking leap. And the only reason I say not yet, Luke, is look, there's there's a bottleneck here. We don't know if Francis is coming back. John Jones about to make his debut. Stipe wants a big fight. I mean, there, you know, there's a little bit of a, there's some business in front of him. But look, obviously, first and foremost, dude, let me take that L. And let me take it really hard. Luke, you mentioned 
easily beat Derek Lewis. There's nothing easy about this fight. You know what uh, Tui Vasa had that to way. do? I mean, I, 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 sorry. If I said that, I didn't mean to say that. Let me correct it. Not easily. He actually had to work for it. But he won, let's say, emphatically. I think that He way. had to get up off the ground in the first round multiple times. He had to eat some pretty serious shots along the cage wall. And that's when you saw Ty really go into fight or flight mode. And he chose to fight and stand in there. But Luke, why did I say I don't see a path to victory? Why did I just kind of crap on Tui's chances here? Uh, I underestimated his infighting, which certainly led to the finish and his ability to force a clinch and have success there where, where from distance, look, Lewis is going to knock you out. And, you know, number two, Luke, it wasn't that one shot. That jab that he landed before that elbow, I think that put Lewis straight up on Queer Street. I think he, he heard him and had him ready to go. I think Lewis imploded surprisingly once again, Luke, and I had to feel bad for Derek after this. You know, this was the Houston redemption of the Houston redemption where he brought nothing to the table against Cyril Ghosn. And, oh, by the way, Cyril Ghosn's great. So that thing ended the way it did. But once this stopped going Derek Lewis's way, Luke, the fight was over to the point that I got people DMing me going, bro, have the balls to say it on MK on Monday. Lewis quit. No, I, I don't think he quit. No, but, no, but no, there no, was no. a there was an implosion that happened. And Luke, we only get to that implosion point like Juliana Pena against Amanda Nunes, if Tuivasa is that tough and that opportunistic and daring to be great. Luke, remember I was mentioning, you know, MK Instagram follower Joe Burrow and how, you know, he's so cool under pressure and his youth coach had said he's got this sort of, you know, not natural as a child ability to navigate stress in tough situations. And look, you know, the great ones in anything have that. I wasn't, uh, you know... I, I had no reason to believe Ty Tuivasa had that, Luke. But the only thing that was easy in, in the end, I guess, was how cool he was through the whole process. He never seemed afraid that he was stepping up in class so high against the greatest finisher in the sport's history. And, you know, he took, took some big shots, delivered it like ho-hum. And I actually think his post-fight celebration was almost muted to what I expected. There was part of Tuivasa that acted like this was what was... What was going to happen all along, Luke? And we're not naive to, you know, not realize that it's heavyweights and you got two bangers, anything can happen. And again, that's why Vegas was smarter than BC and had Tuivasa as only like a plus 40 underdog. But Luke, would you agree? Ty Tuivasa has a certain poise and calmness in chaos that allows him to do what he did on Saturday night. I don't think there's any debate. I think that's 100% true. Both of us were wrong on this one. We both thought, we, we had, I think we had a pretty high... Uh, you know, assessment of Tuivasa, but we both thought Lewis was going to win. And so I'll take that L as well. I'll hold it. Tuivasa, you know, it was funny. People were like, oh, he won because he brawled. I don't, I mean, sort of, right? But not really, not really. Like, here's what I mean, BC. You're right about the jab. Also, that elbow off the clinch he used in a previous fight almost identically. That's like a weapon he has honed. And it makes a lot of sense. Either they ricochet off the fence and you catch him with the elbow or you hit him with the elbow and then their head has nowhere to ricochet. And so they absorb the full blast of it either way it worked it was phenomenal but to your point you know he brawled a little bit he certainly brawled a little bit in the first and especially in that second round they were swinging and banging at times but to me bc he was doing it a lot when he was really under pressure and he was just trying to get Derek lewis off of him um or along the fence line and he would have these chaotic moments but i would point that to you that he was a little bit restrained by it and in the end what won him that was not the 
throwing at range all crazy like it was to your point the infighting wrapping up getting control of the situation and then exerting known forms of influence of, of uh, uh, offense that he had done previously and then bringing it back here and it worked now it also should be known when he was getting uh, dude how he took those shots from uh, Lewis when he was getting up off the canvas I think in the first round and Lewis was just hammering him you know he did lean on his chin there just to save him there there was nothing tactical about it except to get up but but in general what I think you saw was a guy who can still brawl who still will brawl but BC this guy's got more layers to him he's got some gears that he can hit and at 29 years old I don't think he's ready for a title shot but I think he is absolutely top four top five at bare minimum in that division has a lot of room for growth. Well, five fights in a row, a winning streak, and then you know you put somebody Derek Lewis's class. We have to readjust the conversation. The UFC has not updated their rankings as of now on Monday morning, Luke. They still have him at number eleven. Where do you think he belongs now in the top ten after a win like this? Man, so what Lewis was sitting at three. Um, yes. I'm not sure who's sitting at one and two. I guess Gone and Miocic are probably somewhere in there, right? Correct. So he'd be right below that, and then Blades. Thing is, you know, the one win over Derek is a uh, is a, a win that Derek, excuse me, that Curtis Blades could not get, and so for that reason, you could potentially put him right at three. They could sub out the spot. I, I guess I'm just sort of pointing out who I think his company is, whether or not it's the actual numerical designation giving to him. Now, I still think BC a guy like Curtis Blades represents an interesting challenge. One Derek Lewis was able to pass, but that doesn't mean that tied to Ivasa necessarily is able to pass it. And we would both agree Gon and Nganu are the class of the division. We'll see what happens with Stipe Miocic and John Jones and whatever well, else. But he is quickly, he has put himself among his peers. Let me quickly tell you what's going on in this top 10, okay, Luke? Because number five right now, Alexander Volkov is going to be fighting Tom Aspinall, who's number 10, on March mm -hmm. 19th. So they're busy. Curtis yep. Blades is going to be fighting Chris Dawkins on March 26th, and they are both in the top 10. They are busy. Do you match, and he may have a fight, Rosenstruck may have a fight scheduled, and I just don't know it, but do you match Tuivasa with Jairzinho Rosenstruck so you can allow John Jones and Stipe to fight for the interim title, which feels, it, it feels like it's coming, Luke, because, you know, Dana did say he met with Francis again. He did say Francis is going to be out a while, and given a torn MCL, among other things, around his knee, that, that makes sense. Whether Francis fights again in the UFC or not, Dude, given the star power of Stipe and John, even BC will tell you, go ahead and put an interim title on that. Make it even more special. Stipe versus John for the IC belt, Luke, is massive, okay? It's an event. It matters. It's John's debut. So is the next best gift for Tuivasa a step down against somebody like Rosenstruck or just keep him there in the chair in the prime position and save him for the second half of the year against a really big name? So he's got about against Marching Tybora at UFC 273. That's Volkanovski versus the Korean Zombie. Okay. If he wins that, I like that fight. I don't know if that works out for the timeline. But to your point, either way, does, does it make sense, depending on how you match make Tui, does it make sense to give John and Stipe an, interna or a, uh, not an international, excuse me, an interim title, especially, as you noted, Francis has got some knee issues to work out. Could be, well, yeah. I don't really mind that. I don't think that's like the very best use of interim belts, but it's hardly the worst. So why not, right? I think tie fights, whoever looks great winning those three matchups we talked about, Luke. It could be Volkov for all we know. You know, it could be whoever really comes out of there with a strong win. You're going to see tie two of us on that level moving forward. And you know what? Five wins and knocking out Derek Lewis in his hometown. It's just, it's freaking justified, Luke.
By the way, we should note something. Derek Lewis scored two of three takedowns in the first round. How about Derek Lewis taking a page out of old Francis Ngannou's book and wrestling a little bit, adding some gears? This is what I mean going back to the Adesanya conversation. Dude, Derek Lewis, if he could reasonably get the fight to the ground if he needed to or something, his ground and pound, I mean, his control on the ground is not great, but his ground and pound is fucking ferocious. It adds another layer of depth and complexity and difficulty to his game. I really feel like uh, it was a nice little thing he did there. It's a growing heavyweight trend, and I thought he did it well. And he's obviously so big that, you know, when he gets on, if Derek gets on top of you and he can oh, land that yeah. Lesnar-style ground and pound, look, that's a... You know, that's the same thing I said. If Francis could develop that consistently, we could all be in trouble. All of us. We could all end up getting killed by Francis. But let me ask you quickly, is John Jones going to wrestle at heavyweight Luke, or is it going to all be quick defensive boxing? I think he's going to wrestle in the clinch at heavyweight. I think he's going to okay. do a lot of that. A lot of throwing guys around, trips, that sort of thing. By the way, targeting by Derek Lewis. He targeted almost 90% to the head. To Ivasa, just 50% to the head, 37% to the body. We don't talk about it. Fair amount of body work, at least in terms of targeting by Tai Tuivasa. Just a, a, a dude, a, you know, I got to say, he did brawl a little bit, but he mixed in a lot of other things that clearly showed he was trying to think through problems. That's what you're looking for. And when you add in all the power and everything else he can do, it's a formidable competitor you got so there. So after the fight in the interview, Tuivasa at, at the press conference wasn't talking like, oh shit, man, I'm, you know, one win away from a title shot. He was framing the narrative more around. Derek Lewis brought something to this division as like that guy, right? The knockout guy. I think this was a changing in the guard in that regard. Do you do you see that as being true, Luke? We'll see, dude, because here's the thing. Lewis, if you look at overall ability, should Lewis be a guy who's beaten Curtis Blades? And the answer is with well, the way in which he set up the uppercut was beautiful. Like, yes. But what I mean is you would you would imagine that on paper, a guy like Curtis Blades should win more often than a guy like Derek Lewis, or rather win against a guy like Derek Lewis more often, although we realize that, that you know, on paper isn't always the way that, that things translate. Um, Taito Ivasa has to pass that test. Like, beating Derek Lewis is insanely difficult, but it doesn't mean the same thing. Even if you consider it to be a higher quality win, it's still a very, very different challenge than, A, what Volkov will bring. That's going to be another interesting fight. And then all if they can make it, although Aspinall might beat him. Aspinall's another guy to pay attention to. But what I'm trying to make is, um, about Lewis, Lewis passed that test, but that has no bearing on whether Tui Vasa can because it requires a set of skills that we just don't know if Tui has those particular ones. So I, I actually feel like Curtis Blades is a great test for Gone, for, for Tai Tui Vasa, for a lot of guys in that division. Hell yeah. Uh, all right, so let's talk about the other fight on this card, BC, because this was like, you know, people were shitting on this card, but it had some interesting moments. Certainly the, the I would call it the feature bout, not the main, not the co-main, but the feature bout, point number four, how about the fucking elbows of Jared Cannonier? Good Lord. He's your number one contender with a bullet. Afterwards, Dana White was like, yeah, I'm not saying no to that guy. How could you? BC, how does he do? Before we talk about the fight itself, you got you kind of hinted at this a little bit. Give me the best case scenario for Cannonier. What I mean is not winning or losing. What can he do to the champion based on what you've seen both on Saturday and in previous fights? Well, look, you know, Cannonier is the ultimate puncher's chance in this division, but he's more than that, Luke. But he's got to find, and I look, I, I gave him credit in the preview of this fight. I said, I think he's going to knock out Brunson, and I think that, you know, he showed you against Kelvin Gastelum that he really understood what he needed to learn from the loss to Robert Whitaker, where he proved that he's at that level. He hurt Whitaker in the final minute, but look, you know, in that fight, outside of the leg strikes, 
Cannonier wasn't a huge threat in terms of consistent offense. He's got to find a way to be more consistent either with a jab or something. But Luke, are you telling me, could he attempt to model something that Whitaker did in it, and at the very least slowing down the output and the pace of the fight and establishing him as the scary, heavier counterpuncher? Oh, hell yeah, he can do that. If, if I'm Cannonier, I want to make an Adesanya come forward and try to chip away at my legs or try to jab me and and let me counter him. Let me go after his legs from a from a counter defensive position. This could be an interesting fight. And I heard, you know, I'm gonna call out Brandon Wise of CBS Sports, my editor, who said I, you know, this fight does nothing for him. What are you freaking kidding me? Look, if Izzy staying at, at middleweight, I love me this Cannoneer fight. Not that I'm gonna overwhelmingly make this grand argument of how Cannoneer's gonna upset him, but Luke at 37, he's maximized his abilities. He's a scary as hell finisher, but he's got patience. He's got poise. He's growing in technique. He's in insanely sick shape. And I really think he recovered nicely from getting so handled on the ground. I mean, you know, the end of that first round, he he's almost in tap out mode. And, and for him to make that adjustment and bounce back, dude, Cannoneer's a scary dude. And you saw that at the end against Whitaker. And it goes beyond just his punching power. This could be a very tense title fight against Izzy because the, the same limitations that we all knew that Costa and Vittori had, that if Izzy could stay out of trouble, he could he could handle himself with. I don't know if those same limitations are in place with Cannonier, Luke. I don't. I mean, here's the thing about Whitaker. Whitaker had a hard time landing like a really hard shot on Izzy. If you think he won, you think because he had this accumulation of like definitely good shots, but not like that wham shot that really you know sends someone into a perilous situation in the fight. I don't know if Cannoneer is that guy, BC, but the thing I took from the second fight was, one, dude, he is very perseverant. This guy is mentally bulletproof. You cannot discourage him. We go back to the Whitaker fight with Cannoneer, and he was getting his ass kicked. He got dropped in the third round and then rallied his best portion of the offense after that fact. I mean, that's who Cannoneer is when he needs to be. I do wonder, even with all of these best practices, this blueprint that Whitaker laid, can a guy like Cannonier really follow that to a T to get the kind of victory he needs? I certainly would be skeptical. I would favor Adesanya yeah. to win. But two things I would say. One, you would agree with this. The guy earned it. I mean, give him his title shot. Whether you think he's going to win or not is irrelevant. He earned it. Give it to him. And also, you have no idea what's going to happen in fights. One punch from Whitaker could change everything. Is the, well, I'll uh, say this. Punch from, sorry, uh, from Cannonier. To echo you, no, Cannonier is not the fighter to take Whitaker's game plan and mirror it. Outside of just saying, look... Uh, I'm not here to win rounds against Adesanya. So if I have to slow down the pace of this fight to keep myself dangerous as a counterpuncher, to, you know, as a potential knockout, that's what I got to do. I think there's avenues where he can bring some of that strength back to him. But, Luke, it's all or nothing still for Cannonier in terms of knockout or nothing. You know, I mean, he's going to have to hurt Adesanya and change this fight and lure him into a real fight. It's going to be fun watching it because this had this win for Cannonier not only showcased his finishing ability, but like you mentioned, showcased that toughness, Luke, which I think at this point you really got to shout out those power crystals, Luke. You do have to shout out the power crystals. One thing I want to mention about uh, Cannonier that I think needs to get noted was when you noticed some of the ways in which he was pursuing certain positions, you could tell he had drilled that thing 8 million times. His hands and feet and body were exactly the place it needed to be. Now, that doesn't mean he executed every part of the offense to perfection. But what I mean to say is don't lose sight of the fact that, A, there's a lot of tape on Izzy on how to beat him. Whether Whitaker can pull off, excuse me, whether Cannonier can pull off a Whitaker is done, I am admittedly skeptical. 
but he comes from a great camp. He is well uh, studied. He is well prepped. He is physical for that weight class. He has a lot of different gears to go to, and he is extremely filled with self-belief. While I think Izzy is the more talented of the two, A, he earned it, and B, it'd be foolish to look uh, sideways on that. Also, BC, for Brunson, he seemed to indicate he had one more left for him on Twitter afterwards, which, you know, folks forget, this is a guy who's been doing good work in MMA since Strike Force. He's been in this a long time. He made the best of it. Whitaker, excuse me, Cannoneer came out on top, but I think Brunson's had a very commendable uh, end to this um it's not over yet, but this last chapter has been a really yeah. good one for him, Saturday night notwithstanding. The reinvention was fun to watch, and I like that he leaned so hard into his strengths to out-wrestle guys. And you even like in this fight, which was kind of like his Super Bowl, he gave himself the best chance to win in the opening round. I mean, he was aggressive, and he took Cannonier down, and he had him in a choke. I mean, you know, he landed big shots. He imploded quick when the tables turned, Luke. But, yeah, shout out. I mean, look, no one saw this coming. He was becoming... He was becoming the Michael Johnson of middleweight, right? A little more than that. A little, little more than that. And also Michael Johnson was... I mean, no, he was becoming that, errors, where you you're mean? like, you're too talented to lose more often than you don't when you step oh, right. up. I see. I see. But, mm-hmm. you know, he was on that road, and he turned off that road and made a final run. So, you know, nothing but respect to Blonde Brunson, who's now Blood Brunson, Luke, after that backhand shot that uh, Cannoneer hit him with. And how about the... Dude, how freaking nasty were those elbows on the ground? It was almost... Oh, my God. It and was also, almost Dan Hendo on Hector Lombard at yeah. 199, dude. Just Gary Goodrich. How about, how about, how about uh, referee Kerry Hatley putting his arm in... After, first of all, he sh- there shouldn't have been a second elbow, but he puts his arm in after the second elbow but doesn't actually like physically stop Cannoneer. So Cannoneer just drills one past him one more time. I was like, dude, you ever seen that gif? of that somewhere in Europe, the guy just like touching people's sides and then they go past and he's the security. I was like, Kerry Hadley, you got to get in there a little bit more. Save poor Derek Bryant. Dude, those were fucking hammer of Thor's he was laying down there. And then he took, at, at a bare minimum, one too many. I would actually argue two too many, but okay, neither here nor Luke, there. Last but not least on our this, producer point number five, Gaff, BC. Our producer Gaffney is offering that Brunson is the Faber of middleweight. Get, no, get out No, there, Faber man. was hugely celebrated uh, before Aldo came around and was even after that a huge fan favorite. I think How people began you, to realize that Brunson was good, but no, that's not a very good Put some respect on Mr. Gaff. Faber. Uh, all right, last but not least, BC, any other storyline from the fight night, point number five, anything else from UFC 271 worth mentioning? Well, before we mention this, Luke, do you want to – do you want to tease? Don't you have a great morning combat extra credit coming out today? Yes, we'll have extra credit. We're going to focus on Moicano. Well, we'll focus a little bit more than this, but I'm going to put some uh, put some respect on Bobby Green and Hanato Moicano because I thought they looked great on Saturday. Aside from those consecutive strong victories at lightweight by Moicano and Green, which put both into you know top ten contention in a lot of ways, uh, Luke, that Casey O'Neill Roxanne Matafuri fight had the potential to be very interesting, not just. Casey O'Neill's upward bound potential as a as a title contender in this division at age 24, but the whole story about Matafari's great career and all this. Luke Roxanne Matafari went out on her own terms, as ballsy as you possibly could. And even though I don't usually get down with her whole anime, you know, character crossover thing where she models her performance after certain ones and dresses like them and cosplay at the weigh-in. The way that she broke down whichever character she was modeling herself after for this fight, which was all about putting everything she had out there for the benefit of the next generation, you could not have had a more 
like blood and guts never say die this is my final fight it's no gimme fight against some old lady it's no no this is against somebody who might have next and i'm gonna give every single ounce of forward motion effort and take anything that i have in return luke the final story is what we kind of thought it would be coming in about okay casey o'neill passed a tough test i never expected this three-round test to be this tough and i don't think casey did who got her nose busted open, who really, if Casey O'Neill doesn't have the backbone um, to contend with the top 10 in this division, she would have faltered in this fight in maybe the same way Macy Barber did on the ground. Uh, I agree. Actually, I totally agree. Also, uh, it didn't get mentioned, and I think folks just assumed that they would, but sometimes they're not so great about this. They were good this time. I'm glad they gave, apropos of the ending, I'm glad they gave Roxanne a chance to speak. Um, yes. to the broadcast. That was not an automatic thing I was expecting, and they did. I was really, really happy to see that. So shouts to the UFC producers. And you're glad who... Forrest Griffin didn't ruin it, right? Oh, like grabbing it like he did before and then running out or whatever? Yeah, um, no, also... who did he ruin? Tito's retirement? Is that who he ruined? Something. I forget. I forget who it was. I'll just put out, we'll talk about this more on extra credit, but how about, dude, Andre Orlovsky getting it done again? Wasn't the most thrilling? Wasn't the most exciting? And it hasn't been, but this is a guy, dude, understand Arlovsky went winless in strike force. I think all by way of stoppage, if I'm not mistaken. Like, this is a guy who's had numerous uh, losing streaks in his, in his career to the kind where you're like, how do you ever recover from this? And he fucking did. BC, I actually, and he gave me permission to read this on the air. Whoa. I was talking to him. This is from, uh, not from Arlovsky, this is from Dean Thomas. I was texting with Dean Thomas over the weekend just to get his perspective on some things because Dean's smart as shit. And he, by the way, he's no holds bar, man. He tells you his opinion. We were talking about guys who changed their stance. We were talking about Whitaker leaning to the right and then Adesanya throwing that high kick to get him to go upright because as Whitaker was leaning, that's when the jab comes behind it, right? So that was part of this cat and mouse game that they were playing. But we were talking about a lot of guys who switch stances and not just like left to right, BC, but I mean like bring their hands a little bit higher, tuck their elbows in, you know, widen their feet a little bit. These subtle changes that carry dramatic importance. And I was asking him, like, how often do you see fighters do it, man? Because Arlovsky is using this, like, to great effect. And this is what he said. I don't think, and he said I could quote him. So, Dean, don't get mad. He goes, I don't think most fighters even think about it. They're Neanderthals. Here's a really good case of a stance adjustment. Robbie Lawler, as he's gotten older, his stance has reflected as such. He holds his hands in position to defend punches better without overreacting to them. This is why he's able to absorb 500 shots from Colby, but because Robbie's stance whole, uh, allows him to deflect, roll, and misdirect a majority of power shots. However, Robbie was always a physical fighter relying on athleticism, and his offense can't keep up with the younger, better athletes, which is why he's losing. But but he points out like the better guys realize it's not just what you throw, it's how you collect yourself and where you start before every piece of offense comes off of you. Arlovsky is one of these guys who is smart enough to make that change. I give the guy a ton of credit, man, a ton Dude, of credit. He's He's 43 and he's won five of six, Luke. I mean, this is, I know he's, he's winning gatekeeper-ish fights, but that's his job and his role. And he keeps getting better. I mean, it's wild. And look, you know, you're going to shout out more on extra credit, so I'm not going to go hard on Orlovsky. But to close on Mata Furry, like, do you know what was most inspirational about that? Not that she took so much punishment and was willing to. She has maxed out her body and mind throughout the entirety of her professional career. You know, I, I don't think you can be overstated how hard it is to come back from seven consecutive losses in your prime and not quit this sport. 
even until her final days pushing 40 as she was her own level of gatekeeper in the 125-pound weight class, she completely maxed herself out. Luke, that should be the goal of all of us in our in our life, in our stated passion, in our profession, you know, in, in our in our in the way we work out, and it's not always easy, and and rarely any of us get there. But you know, I got a lot of goals in in my own career, Luke, and and keep pushing more. And and to see a performance like this, I, you know, I've never been a Roxy super fan, but I got respect for the lady because that was um. I, I want to go out the same way, Luke. Bro, she was ne- she was never gonna win a major title, at least in all likelihood, probably not gonna win a major title. And she was never going to be in the Hall of Fame for, you know, uh, incredible runs. But what she could do was give every ounce of herself, as you indicated, to this pursuit. And you can't find one person who argues she gave anything less. Dude, you're right. That's all. You don't have to give that much. You can give whatever you want. But when someone gives that much, when they sacrifice that much on the altar of athletic greatness, and you could say clearly she does not have all the athletic gifts in the world. For her to have the career that she did is unbelievable, and I take my hat off to her in the most commendable of ways. Uh, really Luke, do we that. have time to mention that Kyler Phillips at Bantamweight is, is, is coming? He's coming. Dude. Extra credit. Extra credit. Don't take it from me. Extra credit. He's coming. But yes. And, you know, but yes. And I'm, I'm going to have to guess that light heavyweight Carlos Allberg uh, has probably got some hot fire DMs, Luke. I mean, just his just, DMs. His DMs must be the exact opposite of ours. No I mean, one he, is offering him Land Yeager. They're offering him the other kind of land Jaeger. Luke, I'm not even attracted to men and this guy's this guy's hot, Luke, right? I know. He's 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 annoyingly handsome. I'm like, will yeah. you fucking stop? Please. Yeah, stop. Would, you, would you all the women, would you stop with that? I mean, come on, Luke. Uh, all right. Hey, fun ass card. I mean, Luke, the bangers on this early prelims, the the yeah. on the Douglas Silva de Andre against this Kazakh oh. warrior, Sergey uh Morozov. Look, yeah. that was like in a freaking action movie, that fight. Are you kidding me? It was great. How, there was a couple of times where guys were getting served early and then just rallied and put it on their opponents. The Douglas, uh, the Silva de, or Douglas Silva de Andrade was one of the more prominent ones, but that wasn't the only one. And again, we'll talk about Moicano and everything else. But am I crazy? Uh, oh. Is this a fight, a legitimate top three fight of the year contender? A legitimate. I know it's early, but like that for fight a, was It's It's hard to awesome. beat five rounders, but for a... For a three-round scheduled bout, it's a, it's it's up there. It's up I mean it's the highs, great. the ebbs and flows of like ridiculously conflicting, you know, moments of drama were just uh, incredible. What a that guy's like mini Belfort, Luke. I mean, I'd love to see his bloodstream, but what a tough pos this guy is. Yeah, I mean, he just kept bringing he, it. He's fucking jacked. Uh, all right, but that's it for our top five BC. It is time. No longer for you and us to ask each other questions. It's yeah. time for the DMs from Donks. And these DMs are not going to be filled with wonderful things to look at. Just questions from idiots. Right. Hee-haw. Okay, yeah. DMs from Donks. Not idiots. I'm just being, I'm being mean. Will you play the graphic, please? There you go. Thank you. Got Gaff under fire today. Under fire, Gaff. I know. Right? We're slandering him. All right. Uh, I don't even know. Yeah, here we go. I do. Okay, from at Nosebleed Seating. Between yes. Rob and Izzy... Usman and Colby, Max and Volk, Figueredo and Moreno. Why are so many divisions becoming two-man shows? What a great question, BC. Why? Well, it, look, it's 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 great when you can get two dance partners of the same more or less elite level, and obviously if you can make a real rivalry. 
Figueredo and Moreno are in the midst of a real rivalry. Amazing fights, back and forth, dramatic, you know, uh, ways of victory, the title changing hands. Um, you know, it's unfortunate, Luke, Demetrius Johnson never got his rival on this level. He was too good. He was too good. He was too much you, better than everybody else. You wouldn't argue Cejudo? I, you can't argue it because they split fights, but the fact yeah. that we never got yeah. that trilogy. I mean, look, I get that yeah, they, they traded. Uh, you're right. It. If they had had a trilogy and they had kind of gone back and forth or whatever, it would be a little bit closer. And the problem is the real fans know that DJ deserved that decision and he was heavily injured in that fight. No disrespect to Cejudo. But Luke, um, you know, it's, we're lucky right now. That's why. We're lucky that we have, you know, at Bantamweight and Lightweight, we don't have two-man shows. We got like six or seven-man shows. You yeah. know I mean? This yeah. is great. Dude, when they like when they have these pairs, these Mozart and Salieri, was it Salieri, Salieri? I can't never pronounce. You know, I don't know that shit, Luke, at all. I don't. What I'm saying is, whenever you have these pairs like this, why do you have the pairs? Why do you have your? Because, dude, Rich Franklin was not. I mean, Whitaker was very, very close to Adesanya, whether you thought he won or not. But we can all agree he was very, very close. Fucking Rich Franklin was not that close. Now he eventually lost some fights at middleweight too, but he was still like the number two guy for a while. You see this one-two pairing a lot. I don't know. I don't quite have a good explanation for it, but it does seem to sort itself that way often. It's great. And the dance partners, whether you're better than them in the long run, and look, you know, Volkanovski's got two wins over Max right now. So, you know, he's proved, you know, Izzy's got two wins over Whitaker. Whether you're better than them in the long run, you know, by a, by a margin or not, you need that other person to raise your game, to drive you. Luke, it's why the success you've hit in your career after meeting me, Luke, you know, it's, it's certainly not because of me, Luke, but it's... I arguably you know. had more success before, <laughs> but okay. Let's go to number two. Dil, at Dylan Magnuson 1. This is a question I got a lot on Saturday night. Do you see Hamzat, Hamzat Chemaev, giving Adesanya a problem? Do you wow. see You know, I see him giving Usman potentially a problem, but um, we all know that that Chemaev can, can, can fight across two divisions. Uh... Style wise, yeah, Luke. He's got the if he is if he is all that and then some, right? Uh, you know, tall, pale, and handsome, like like he's looking to be. Um, yeah, yeah. He he's he's he could be a problem. He, I mean, look, I, you know, we got to see what he can do at the at the very elite level of the welterweight division. We got to see him stay healthy and consistently appear in the octagon regularly, of course. But yeah, Luke, that style, that hunger, that nastiness. You dude, you got it. To, to to counteract what Chandler said over the tweets, though, you got to be nasty, Luke. You know, Miss Jackson, if you're nasty, I just happen to be. You don't be, have Luke. to be. You have to be strategic. I mean, uh, well, but... Adesanya was nasty against Gastelum when he had to be, Luke. He yes. he said at the start of round five, I'll, you know, you know, I, I'll, I'll die right but here, we, bro. Uh, you know, here's the funny part. We go. We should go back to that one, too. We didn't bring it up in the conversation, but I think when people look at parts of that Gastelum fight, you can take parts from it and build the Robert Whitaker game plan. Now, that what Robert added on, subtracted a bunch and added a bunch of different stuff. But getting inside that space of Izzy when he goes behind the jab, Whitaker had a lot of success with that, dude. And I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned with that. Wasn't enough. Sorry, not Whitaker. Whitaker, too. But Gaslam had a lot of success with it. Well, not enough, but, but dude, they're getting there. They're getting there. But that, na- now, look, you know, Sean Strickland has that nastiness, although he doesn't always, he doesn't always see, fight with it. He just came off a fight where he wasn't throwing enough. So I yeah. really wonder, like, if that might hold him back a little bit, you know? But look, uh, also, we don't know. We're not going to the question, really real quickly, know real quick, about quickly, Hamzat until real, real, we see it. The thing about Hamzat is, one, there's still too many unknowns. B, you know, Dana might let him play back and forth between middleweight and welterweight. It's hard to say. But I think for right now, he's locked up at welterweight, you know. So between Izzy potentially going to 205 and we don't really know, do I see Hamzat Shemaev potentially giving Izzy problems? I mean, it's conceivable, but it seems so far away at best that, 
maybe is the answer, but it just doesn't seem like worthy of thinking about all that much at the moment. This one, however, BC has got BC written all over it. Underscore Josh Herbold. That's what he says. Could a prime injury free, prime injury free Joe Calzaghe beat current Canelo? Speed, power, six to seven punch combinations, balls out grit. Calzaghe had it all. BC, I know you are a big Joe Calzaghe guy. Under these conditions, does he beat Canelo? He might, dude. He might. You know, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty fight. Interesting, right? That's a fight that we have to see because look. Uh, for all the incredible success Canelo's had at 68 and even 75, he's heavily undersized for those weight classes. I mean, you know, part of Canelo's greatness is that he can raise up in that weight and still be the bigger puncher and still, you know, really beat you in any style. So Canelo's freaking all-time great. But Joe Calzaghe had the combination of hand speed and daringness in terms of the the angles and the type of punches he would get off at close range that Luke I, I'm gonna say this you know I love me some Joe Calzaghe 46 and 0 amazing what stops you from putting Joe Calzaghe in the upper 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 rooms all time in the sport is that you know he didn't really max himself out he came to America late right you know fought B-Hop and, and Roy Jones but he did it late in his career he stayed in the same division in the same country there, you know, Wales and the UK and, and beat on, you know, beat up all comers. And he's got some great wins, you know, Michael Kessler, um, Chris Eubank senior. I mean, you know, Cal but when Calzaghe fought Jeff Lacey and that was the fight that made Calzaghe, do you remember Jeff left hook Lacey? Luke? Of course. Of course. Dude, we thought Jeff Lacey was going to destroy him. We thought Calzaghe was just another UK domestic guy who looks great against white guys in his own country, but what happens when he comes to America? Well, this fight wasn't in America, but he beat the freaking bags off Jeff Lacey. He essentially ended Jeff Lacey's elite unbeaten career in that one fight. And I bring that up to show you that certain guys got in there against Calzaghe and when they saw the combination of hand and foot speed, and although he's not a monster punch power puncher for this division, he gets to your chin so quickly and so accurately that, yes, Luke, he's a freaking problem for Canelo. Um, it's going to go 12 rounds, and it's going to be a, you know, a, a split decision probably because of Canelo's ability to adjust counter to the body, be a, you know, be a big puncher even in that weight class. But Calzaghe's tall, Canelo's small. Dude, that's a that's a tough ass matchup all time. I love that idea. Love that love idea. It. All right, from at Talal underscore AA seven six seven. I don't know. What was your favorite moment from the Super Bowl, BC? Um, you know, I, I hate to be that guy because look, you know, I'm normally that guy who watches the Super Bowl halftime show, and then while everybody else is going nuts, like you for Shakira a couple years ago, like every other year when my wife sees some lineup of of musician she's like oh i like this one you know this is great and i'm sort of like man that show blew and sucked luke this halftime show was awesome and maybe because i'm 40 year old white dad and these are all my jams and and you know and seeing these guys seeing fat 50 cent was was great but seriously he, the he brought out the bustier again uh the, the production level the 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 everything about it dude you know, even given that rap concerts never live up to the, you know, musically having a live band there. And yeah, there were some, you know, lip syncing piano playing elements to it. But all in all, Luke, it was a great game. Uh, the OBJ injury really changed the momentum there. But shout out to the Rams for just being grittier. 
But I would say the, the, the best moment was that damn halftime show, Luke. That's the first time since, since who? Where they nailed it. I know you're going to tell me someone awful nailed it. The weekend, Luke, you're really, a weekend really, really, Prince didn't nail it. You're going to make that argument that Prince didn't nail it? Prince nailed it. Michael Jackson yeah. nailed it in 93, Luke. He nailed it. Okay. Yeah. He, he uh, I would say this. For, I didn't really watch much of the Super Bowl because I was working, uh, but I really enjoyed the halftime show. I thought it was great. The only thing I thought was kind of, it was a couple things I didn't quite get about it. One, it didn't quite have the crescendo I was hoping for, although I, I, I grant it was still really well done. A two thumbs up for me. I really liked it. And, and I noticed that most hip hop fans loved it. Um, the thing I didn't love was if you didn't know the old rap videos, I don't know if, if like when Snoop Dogg was rapping on the house and whatnot, the, the little construction thing that they had made, these are all callbacks to the original videos that they had made in the 90s. If you didn't know that, I'm not sure what you made of the set because it was a little bit like distant and um, uh, a little artsy-fartsy in that way. The other problem was, I know I'm going to get killed for this. I just don't really care. Dude, Eminem fucking blows. Like, he hasn't always blown, but he fucking blows. He's like, the he, the stuff he's putting out now, and I realize this is the song from 8 Mile, which, by the way, he already performed this at the fucking Oscars. You're trotting out this one again. And then he it's, kneeled. It's like, dude, it's you think timeless, I give a fuck that? A multimillionaire is kneeling? Get the fuck out of here. But... Mom's spaghetti the, the, is timeless, dude. It's All not right. that good, dude. It's okay. It's okay. It's not a bad song. It's fine. But like, dude, the level he's gotten to now, it's like, you know, you ever meet those people in high school who were like, they would love to tell you. I grew up in South Georgia, so this is prominent for me. The people who were like, you know, you're into like whatever it was in the 90s, Soundgarden, Nirvana, whatever. And they come to you, they're like, bro, I got this fucking Christian rock. It's about loving the Lord. And then you listen to it and it's just budget rock and roll music. Eminem sounds like the rock, the Christian rock version of himself. He's not rapping about the Lord, Dude, he's but about 50. like uh, he's about 50 like years getting old. sober and being happy. You think I want to hear you rap about that shit? Get the fuck off stage. I don't want to hear that shit. It's boring Dude, and it's lame. This Dude, was it's super legends, legend, living legends of rap. Dre, and it was legend. Snoop, and it was legend. the NFL uh, saying we love Black, black people, so don't get on us, right? I mean, it was them trying to be hip, but it worked. It was hip, Luke. It was awesome. I'll just okay? say this, dude. We grew up in an era when hip-hop was way too dangerous for the Super Bowl halftime show. Yes, now it is on is the Super true. Bowl halftime they show. They sanitized it. Yes, they did. But, yeah. you know. and, and that's a good thing. It's ultimately a good thing, but it just doesn't represent what it was for us when it was like taboo and your parents were trying to find your CDs and fucking throw them away. Yeah, Suge Knight ain't getting invited to the Super Bowl halftime show in the 90s. It's just not happening, Okay. No. Uh, but it was great. It was really well done. Dre was great. Snoop was really good. I thought Snoop had a high energy the whole time. And it felt um, like, like was, it Kendrick almost was, Kendrick was good and 50 was fine, but they, they, 50 I mean, was the only surprise, right? Can we get Mary J in some age appropriate clothing? Luke, am I going to get battered for that? <laughs> oh, I'm not even touching that. Fuck you. <laughs> she was great, dude. You got to let Mary be. Let Mary be. She was great. All right. Last question on this. Uh, a, a similar topic, BC, from Telvin Kipapa, who always asks good questions. Favorite Dr. Dre song. Now, that's an interesting one. Where do you go? Well, the problem, Luke, on, on a lot of the things we loved from that era, whether it be rap music or comedy or certain movie humor, is that, boy, does it not date well in 2022. So can I tell you that uh, the final track off of The Chronic from 1993, Bitches Ain't Shit, was always my favorite Dre song, Luke? I mean, you know about these bitches, Luke, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> Just hosting tracks, I know tracks, they're not bro. shit, apparently. Okay? You know, licks on these nuts, and, you know, but me too, and indeed, Luke. So I'm not going to be out here spouting that type of nonsense to the world anymore, okay? But good God, that thing. Dude, when you were a white kid, in eighth grade, crossing over into ninth grade, as I was 
you know, the summer of 92 and you, you know, and you pick up the chronic at strawberries, your local tape and CD store, dude, that, that shit made you feel hard, Luke. And I'm not talking about Jake Hager. All right. I'm not talking about, you know, watching Emmanuel on Cinemax. I'm talking about that made my wimpy ass existence feel hard, Luke. Uh, I was in fifth grade when the chronic or sixth grade when the chronic came out. I think that's right. I was in sixth grade when the chronic came out. And that was one of the, I always talk about how Pantera's, um, uh, not far beyond driven, but vulgar display of power was like this moment where music doesn't sound the same after. I don't know how, if you were a kid in middle school or whatever you were, and you heard the chronic and that didn't blow your fucking mind sonically about yeah. what you had heard it was unlike anything i'd heard up to that point well, you know? and think about the timing it comes right at the peak of the commercial rap era meaning the umtv raps you know right young mc mc hammer like you know really how how nerdy kids like me get into commercial rap and then you get hit with the chronic and you're like oh my god it's, yeah, it's simple it was, it how was about in, that era how about that two-year one-year stretch when you Three. got the first the first 92, Rage 93, 94 is like unbelievable. Well, think about it. You get the first Rage album coming out, which blew, it just blew all of our minds. This just was like, what the hell is this? You get the Nirvana album with, with, with Teen Spirit, you know, you get Nevermind coming out and smell the, the, the Teen Spirit video just changed everything. Look, before Nirvana smells like Teen Spirit, my middle school dances were basically play rap songs and everybody stand in a circle and the two hip kids in the middle would do moves. And then Smells Like Teen Spirit came out. And they would play that like five times in a row at the eighth grade dances, Luke. I mean, it, it changed. It changed yeah. everything. I mean, obviously, NWA preceded Dr. Dre's solo album. But like in terms of commercial success, and NWA was big. But I was a kid. A lot of that stuff was shielded. The Chronic was one of the first things that bled through to a lot of people before um, you know, NWA did. For, I mean, obviously, for people like me, I caught it later. And uh, it, was, it blew me away. To answer the question, I'm going to go with nothing but a G thing. Uh, there's a lot of choices you could go with on the chronic, but that's probably my number one. Um, but yo, rat to tat tat that ass. That's a great song too. And obviously, Dre's not on it. It's on his album, but Escape from Death Row. Yeah. When uh, who was it? Was it R was it RBX? Who was it? And get burned like mesquite. That one of that yeah. line is one of my favorites. So bitch, ain't wanting to who be is, a who bitch. Who is on that song? Stranded on Death Row was RBX. Yeah, corrupt RBX, Lady of Rage, and Snoop. All right, uh, that's it. That's all, all of our DMs. BC. Oh, sorry, it's time Luke. For your Let shit. me ride is the correct answer. Let me ride is the. Let best me ride is probably in number two or number three, but yeah, it's up yeah. there as well. All right. Okay, Thank go you. ahead. Uh, Luke, you know what we do every weekend? I spend a long time on Sundays, and then Gaff spends an even longer time corralling these, picking out the most viral videos of the week in combat sports and beyond. This one's called "Have You Seen This Shit?" Have you seen it? All righty then, Luke. Badge. All right. right this Luke, is off. You... Of, this is off of a pay per view. You got. You got to deliver these big today, BC. You got to have a tie to Ivasa like performance here. I hope so. Here we go. UFC two seventy one. Luke at the referee's instructions before the start of the main event. Did you catch Israel out of Sanya? Yes. Paper rock scissoring Robert Whitaker. Look at that. I, dude, I'm telling you, coming out hot the way Adesanya did, it hurt him down the stretch, but it may have won him the fight because he started so strong. I, I really paper, believe that. Yeah, paper covers rock. Last time I saw. Uh, speaking yep. of the rock, Luke, did you think his um his welcome to the Super Bowl scream was a little uh little commercial and bitchy, Luke? After after he turned on Rogan like that. 
It was funny that he, uh, I don't know if you could tell, he got a pump before he went out there. Like, he had clearly been working out, like, oh, right yeah. before he went out there. And I was like, hey, he still hasn't mentioned why he didn't give any of the fighters a raise after taking over the Reebok deal. So funny about that, right? Wow, so have you turned on the on Dwayne? I was mostly just disappointed. I was like, dude, you took over. For, I don't give a fuck about a tweet. You took over for Reebok. You put out this video. And in the video, and then he, that was the thing. He was like, well, I didn't put out pictures of their shoes because I wanted to make it all about them. Yeah, I hope you did, Rock, because you sure as fuck didn't give them a raise. Damn. A video highlight of their all their videos is about the least thing you could fucking do since you're doing no better than Reebok. Another take. This is what gets me. It's like all these guys who say all these nice things about the fighters, and it's not just Rock. It's a bunch of people, are like especially the rich ones. We we love them so much. Hardest workers in the room, and when it comes time to actually come up off your pocketbook to make sure that they get more. They all are takers. Let it be known who he really is when the chips were down. Do you think The Rock's the next Arnold Schwarzenegger? Is that who he is? Or he's he too old. I actually think he's getting out of that. He's actually kind of aging a little bit. So he's still got action. He's still got action movie potential left for several years. But I actually think he's slowly transitioning to a different, a different level. Who has bigger biceps, him or his ex-wife, Danny Garcia? <laughs> I'm not going to touch that. She's a successful professional and you're, you're mean-spirited. No, look at the pump she gets, Luke. I'm envious, all right? I wasn't, no, he, I wasn't dude, asking his, you. The Rock's physique is tremendous. His home I didn't gym ask is you tremendous. if you'd rather looked, make out with Danny Garcia or Danny Swift Garcia. I didn't ask you that, Luke, okay? You didn't, and I'm not going to answer that because it's also a question that will get us into trouble. Luke, welterweight Jeremiah Wells tried to get himself pumped up to start the night against Blood Diamond. Watch out for that wall, Luke. What? Are we... <laughs> Water. <laughs> Dude. I don't... <laughs> he, he he turned it around. He turned it around, but that was not an auspicious beginning. Boy, did he. Luke, let's be honest here about one Mike Matethethethi, a.k.a. Blood Diamond. I hated to say it, but he looked worse than CM Punk against Mickey Gall in this one, right? Well, that's a little strong, but he did not have a great showing, to put it, put it mildly. All right. Well, Jeremiah Wells got the W just the same. Uh, let's listen to this sound. King Casey O'Neill got that hard-fought win against Roxy. And then Luke, she she settled right into to heel mode here, pro wrestling style. Luke, that was very raging Al esque, but it's it's kind of it's kind of hot too, right? Luke's kind of sneaky. Listen, she's full of competitive fire. They're not always going to love being booed. I get it. I get it. She was ready, willing, and able to, to wear the black hat after this. So let's see what happens moving forward. Uh, we've got more sound, Luke. This comes from Bantam... Uh, or do we? Yes. Bantamweight Ronnie Lawrence had a hard-fought unanimous decision win oh, over I Leo... Oh, I knew you were going to put this in. Okay, perfect. Leo yeah. Mana Martinez. And Luke, he had a much deeper battle he overcame before this fight. Uh, you know, we all go through stuff before about to have a fight. People have it all the time. Uh, I mishapped, like, my salt intake, and I had diarrhea. And uh, I don't know. I just didn't feel so good tonight. <laughs> uh, Luke, you've been there. <laughs> I know. I was like, dude, I could just say that same speech every morning. After a cup of coffee, it's like I had diarrhea. I don't feel so good. I just yeah. wasn't myself. The, you know what made it great 
Was he deadpanned? It wasn't a joke. He's just like, no, seriously, you know, diarrhea. Know he really treated didn't... it like, uh, you know, I didn't get a good night of sleep and it really affected me. He was like, I yeah. have diarrhea. That was a fun fight, by the way. That, that was another one of those early bangers. Uh, Luke, let's rate this shirt. Celebrity Dustin Poirier in attendance at the fights on Saturday. Your thoughts? He loves these loud ass shirts. Shout out to, to Nobby there with him, right? From uh, UFC here's the thing I'd, Yeah, here's what I'd say, though. I don't know what's cool, so, like, I'd love to bag on the shirt, but it's probably a lot cooler than anything I wear, so. Well, first of all, it's, it's got to cost at least $450, and second of all, yes. that's my shit. I'd wear that. Yeah, shout out to Dustin Poirier all the way, all yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, let's go to Bobby Green. You'll have much more on him on extra credit, but how about this way to enter the cage with some swag, Luke? Some style. Well, he always, Yeah, he always does this. Damn. And he, and so he used to, I don't know if he does it, so I can't remember if he did it post-fight or even when he was announced. He used to do, was it Triple H who would like put the water in his mouth and then yes. spit it in the air or whatever? Yeah. Bobby Green has done that time to time. Got them hands, dude. He is at another level at age 35. More on that from Luke later today. Conor McGregor was back to drunk tweeting during the card on Saturday, Luke, and he gave us this secret inside revelation about his personal life. Yeah, it's getting a little sad for him. Do we take the Twitter away from him at this point, Luke? I mean, I mean, he's horny, like, Luke. He he's horny, okay? Well, you know, it's like guys. I mean, he's just tweeting out, guys. I'm horny. Like, you know, we saw the video of him eating ice cream. I'm not even mad about that. Lord knows, I've giggled my way through a few ice cream cones in my life uh, on who knows what. But you got to lay off the tweets, man. It's just not looking good. And also, did you see uh, Tyson Fury sent him to hell? Oh yeah, they're going back and forth, and it's getting a little weird. But Luke, uh, Connor, not the only one shooting his shot on Saturday. How about? friend of the program brian boom kelleher saying hey connor uh would you like to corner me in my next fight at 272 against habib's cousin umar what did, yeah. Con what did connor say uh nothing oh. <laughs> nothing uh, <laughs> who the fuck is that guy look <laughs> yeah yeah no he oh, didn't respond shit. but uh but I, I like where your head's at boom trying to get a little uh you know a little wwe style into hey this. listen he uh, he makes noise he, he gets out there and tries to rattle the cage a little bit i like brian uh, Luke, your favorite game of the week on Have You Seen This Shit? It's obvious. It's called Rate That Tat. Errol Spence Jr. adding a big fish tattoo to his right foot, Luke. Your thoughts? These guys, man, I don't know what they're doing. Is that Hebos <sighs> level, Luke? Where you at? It's not great, dude. It's really not great. Um, it's He, he took... Uh, it's not great. It's bad. In uh, concept or in in technique and finish? I don't love the concept because I don't like the lettering above it because uh, it just is a little weird. Um, but you, it's there are guys who could do sharks biting. You've seen these guys who specialize in like gorilla roars or some kind of big cat showing teeth or in the case certain fish as well or sharks, whatever. But um, this one's not. It's it, it, It's everything is kind of... Uh, pressed flat there's no real depth to the photo and it just looks like i mean i, I don't really want to say what it looks like because it would be bad but it doesn't look good are you saying it looks like a vagine i was gonna I, I was gonna go lean on my days of uh bang bus material to make a different argument but um okay. it's pretty bad either way well look we do know you we know you prefer ass tats on men right if it looks good if it's tribal and it looks good Let's go yeah, to the so that's, subway. That's not Luke. quite the right way of putting it, but I'll, I'll let it go. Okay, let's go to the subway, Luke. Rate this ass tat. Okay, Luke? Please. Oh, God. Again, <laughs> if I never go, are you what the fuck, bro? I mean, 
And what stop is that? Did they show what stop it was? <laughs> is, that, is that the one is that we Wall get Street? off of? Where is that? Is that is that uh... <laughs> that Fulton Street, Luke? Twenty third. says that's twenty third. Yeah, that's twenty third and third. That's the six. What line is that? Uh, or no, that's that, the ACE. That's on yeah, the west that's side the of town. Yeah, that's the letter one. Yeah, yeah. Dude, the BC, that BC. is, dude, man, I swear to God, people are like, I'm never going to wear a mask when this whole mandate shit. <laughs> and then people have stopped. <laughs> Let me explain something to you. I'm not going into the New York City subway without a fucking hazmat suit. <laughs> it's the most diseased place on earth. It gets you where you need to go. It does yeah. do that, but you are going to get every communicable. Fuck COVID. You're going to get everything else on earth if you go through there without a mask on what do you think this guy charges luke what do you think you know right by you know you're getting off the train after a long shift you're like you know what let me get that shit on my ass bro how much he's not looking at him he's just face all up in his ass yeah all right hey luke remember when these i mean what is dude just dude I'm, i'm telling you if i never ride that subway again it'll be the greatest thing that ever happens to me Luke, little inside baseball on our MK docs. There was a shirtless picture of you that you asked Jake, the documentarian, to blurt out. You're like, I ain't showing that much skin on this shit. Well, Luke, they got me with my toes, as we know. But as I countered, you know, that's what men do. Okay? Real talk, real walk. All right? Well, Luke, you sent me a text of what Shaq believes men do. Luke, what the hell's going on with Shaquille O'Neal's toes? Can we... Watch this one time only, please. Can we zoom in, Gaff? Dude, look at those fucking... He's got fungus the size of fucking turtles on his toenail. Wow. Wow, Shaq, you know? I know. It's like, my man, you need you need some Aquaphor on them feet. I mean, we got we to gotta hydrate that skin. Well, Luke, it's you know he's still he's still getting it done though. He's still- By the way, I keep I keep talking about you. See how his big toes go in like this, or I, I mean it opens up wide, but they they the, the toes collapse in on themselves. It's because he's wearing shoes that fucked up his feet the whole time. I'm telling you, you, it's true. you, you do know what they say though about guys like me and Shaq, right, Luke? That you guys are you are infrequent showerers. No, gross feet, but just ma- massive hammers, Luke. Just you know, what I mean, just like yeah, right. I don't know if they say that, but in the case of Shaq, I would only imagine that he's got Hasbulla in his pants. You know what I'm saying? Like he's just well, got an absolute. See, Shaq, Shaq, to be fair, is too rich to have feet that gross. You know who else is really rich, Luke? Canelo Alvarez. Look at him showing off his brand new, is it pronounced LaFerrari? The Ferrari's first full hybrid vehicle, Luke. There's only a few of them being made right now. The MSRP on this one, $1.4 million, Canelo's new ride. Wow. Good for him, bro. That is so sick. I don't even know what life is like at that level. Dude, like, what do you, I always argue, like, you know, I buy my wife the eighteen ninety nine bottle of red wine, but I'm like, you know, what if today I bought the $65 one? Like, would we both that night being like, oh, my God, what's it like driving this car for five minutes, Luke? Would you never be the same again in your, in my orange Subaru uh, Crosstrek? It's, it's the, it's like just, I mean, even if no one is actually blowing you, it's like getting blown while driving i mean it's yeah. got to be just the most intense feeling total total phoner anyway luke we got to roll on you know what they say hell hath no fury like a scorned woman protecting the paint on a basketball court let's go to the hardwood here oh yeah luke. get that shit out of here luke wow yes 
Bah, she came in yes. like a volleyball player. Woo. Yes. Uh, Luke, we did a bit last week on, on two sport athletes, you know, crossing over. We know Ronald McDonald of a success in his field at bringing smiles on kids' faces. Now he's into pro wrestling, Luke, in Japan. Let's see the results. Can we zoom in here? Here comes Ronald. Nice running. Oh, no. Oh, no, Luke. That is, um, that, <laughs> that is not appropriate. That is, uh, that is against her own will. Luke, that is not appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, would you like to see his Happy Meal just the same, Luke? It's still right. going. <laughs> it's still wow. going. He's still yeah, doing how, this bit. How do, how do we get out of this, Luke? This is why I don't Dude, watch how do, how do the Japanese, I'm assuming these people are Japanese, how do the Japanese have a character whose sole bit is to look like McDonald's and then sexually harass everyone? Well... They have a guy that my my friend at ESPN and I used to trade clips with. He's called Razor Ramon HG. And the Razor Ramon HG part of it means hard gay. And he comes out and molests other men. It's it's it, he's dressed like the village people, Luke. It's uh it's you know, it's a very dated uh, sort of look at the, at the uh yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. Uh Luke, let's go over to this sound. This is not from this weekend, it's from his last fight. But Robert Whitaker, a man after your heart, none the same. You, you, you. Yeah, I'm done now. I can just go upstairs and go back to doing what I was doing before. Just, just hardcore masturbating. Luke, true or false, on the road, this is usually the last thing you say before heading up to your room when uh, to anyone on the team that's listening. I don't know what you're talking about. I've never said anything like that, and I don't appreciate you uh, lying to the audience in such an obvious and direct manner. By the way, Rob Scott, I call him Rob now because apparently we're friends, Luke. I yep. don't know. Um, he's, got a, he's got a funny personality that does not show enough during interviews, dude. Maybe with the submission radio guys, because they're all like down under bros, Luke. You know what I mean? Yeah. He apparently wanna... hates me. I don't know why, but he does. And I didn't get a great interview from him. But yours was pretty good. It was okay. I mean, I think he hates you because you love the shit out of his rivals, Luke. Not all of them. Just one. The big one. The one that matters. The big one. Hey, Admittedly, now, the Luke, big one. Shuey's got a bit played out this week because of tied to Ivasa. In fact, I'm not even showing footage of his post-fight Shuey because we've seen it. But how about the folks on the UFC weigh-in show getting involved? Laura Senko and Daniel Cormier, Luke, your thoughts? I mean, when we did it, it was very played out, and I appreciate the wonderful Laura Senko doing it. But Can we zoom um, in here, please? You know, look, they have brand-new shirts. It do or not shirts, I'm sorry, brand-new sh uh, shoes. It doesn't really count. Like, we took someone's diseased shoe from the crowd. That's what you got to do. These guys have brand-new kicks right out of the, right out of the box. You see just spit. DC spit in his own shoe, Luke. Yeah, but what does that matter? You're going to get it all. And then he pours it out at the side like Turner and Hooch's, you know, yeah. drool. Yeah, he's got the walrus beard of the beer coming down. Look, Senko was more man than DC on this, Luke. She yeah. went after Yeah, it. she was game for it. She was game for it. But I got to say, if you're drinking it out of a brand new shoe, you know, that's only halfway. Yeah, that's only yeah. halfway. Well, Luke, uh, Angela Hill, the UFC flyweight and uh, I'm sorry, strawweight and, you know, I say friend of the program because we both have a lot of love for her. She took it to a new level 
while posting her mybookie.ag picks on Instagram, Luke. Uh, we've heard of the copy because Tuivasa threatened to do one. So here's Angie Hill's husband providing the cup, Luke. You into this at all? This this moving you? I want to party with Angela Hill. <laughs> That's my kind of woman right there. She went on to do one out of the high heel, out of the uh, flip-flop, Luke. She got to stir that up first, you know? That is exactly the kind of person. You know what? We got to get her in studio. I feel like yeah. we could have fun with her. Yeah, I think we could. I think we could. Indeed. Indeed. She got a fight coming up as well. I forgot against two. But uh, speaking of DC, Luke... He took no shit this week from the Houston Rockets mascot while while uh, courtside. Oh, Lord. Oh, some staged bit? Yeah, poor man's Charles Barkley type bit. Look at Kiesa loving it. Oh, hit him. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, he's not going to drop. Oh, he does. Oh, <laughs> yeah. he body slammed that hoe. That was yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. See, that's great. That's great. If he had just punched him and threw him, that's no good, but. If only that mascot had seen Star Wars Episode Three, Luke, and learned the same lesson that Anakin should have learned about the high ground. Let's go over to the street fight, Luke. Check out Obi-Wan on the high ground here at the Mustafar system. Oh, boy. <laughs> hey, John, I'd like to ask you a pot. <laughs> Luke, does that look a little bit like Jake, our documentarian, that guy? This reminds me of the pre-fight 214 press conference. Yeah, 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 it does. Yeah, it does. All right. All right. Uh, Luke, we here on MK, we want all the smoke. And no, that's not a Showtime digital joke. Uh, here's the world's largest bong, Luke. Your thoughts. Dude, why am I not in that? That's what I don't understand. <laughs> How is it that this person gets to be there instead of me when all I want to do is just live there? This guy like a young Augustus Gloob caught in the uh, Chaka River pipe, Luke. Look at this. Yes. Wow. Honestly, if he died from asphyxiation, I'd consider him a hero. Look, he went out doing what he loved, Luke. You got to respect that. You really uh, do. That's the way to go right there. Speaking of skills in this game, check out Anthony Joshua, former heavyweight champion, Ejay, um, rolling up a fat chicken fajita blunt here, Luke. Your thoughts? Okay, let's see here. Does he lick it? Is he going? Ah, oh, he did, <laughs> dude. We got yeah, know, we, You know what? There's a lot of people we need to party with. I was gonna say AJ knows how to party, Luke. He's not just rich. He comes from the other side of the tracks. He's got a backstory. He's lived yeah. it like we did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This is not his first time trying to make something like this happen. Not at all. Yeah. Good job. All right, let's go over to the sign of the week. I mean, this is a general instruction for most of us. <laughs> the thing about the bathrooms in the subway station in New York City is, you know, some of the people, will, 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 they'll wash that shit right there, Luke, in the sink. They have no care, you know? No, see, they, they read this and they're like, oh, I must wash my hands with my anus. That's what they think it means. All right, regional MMA, Luke, anything can happen. We'll go to Fury FC 57. Here's John Yanis with, as Rashad would say, a one-hit-a-quitter. Oh, oh, Jesus. Ow. Boy, it does not get more authoritative than that. Lord nope. have mercy. Nope. Wow. Hope you're all right, kid. Good Lord. Yep. 
That, you, you could see many a dead body on a regional show. Look at this. And by the way, I talk about it. These guys who can slip punches in MMA, it's true in boxing, obviously, but in boxing, a lot more dudes can slip, so it's not nearly as relevant, but it's relevant in MMA. If you can slip punches and put offense behind it, you are going to be a much higher level fighter. It's just hey, a fact. Robert Whitaker's defense on Saturday, Luke, pretty good. Pretty damn good, okay? After, after the first. <laughs> not so great in the first. Yeah, except for that one shot. Yeah. Hey, Ronnie Deutsch is back. We haven't seen this guy drink on oh, this show yeah, in a long time. Oh, yeah. Fucking A. Yeah, this is great. Let's see. Look at him celebrating Goonies nostalgia by putting on the sloth mask, Luke. First of all, that picture is just it's more <laughs> important than anything Tesla is doing. Let's point that out, number one. I mean, Luke, you remember that guy on the man show who did the ziggy zoggy, ziggy zoggy, oi, oi, oi. Oi, yeah. And then he died doing what he loved a couple of years later. Just, you know, yeah. I mean, Ronnie Deutsch's lifespan expectations are, are they they can't be high right now. No, but he's going to go out in a blaze of glory and Absolutely. God bless this man. And he's still jacked and always has chicks. I was going to say, he's like uh, Takeru Kobayashi, even Joey Chestnut to a degree. They eat like these mounds of hot dogs, but they don't look too bad in the off season or whatever. Yeah, they must purge like crazy, Luke. You know, I mean, who, you know, who hasn't? Who hasn't, Luke? You know, I did come back from two hours of basketball last Tuesday night. You know what I did? Right, first thing I did when I came home, Luke? Purged. Purged. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm an old, exhausted bitch, Luke. Okay, yes. All right. Uh, let... You can always find a wife at the bowling alley, Luke, if you can find a lady who can act this classy. Check this out. That's my wife. My hey. wife. Is that duck pin bowling? Yes. Oh, yeah. look at that. That's the 710. That's, pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good. I mean, she dresses like somebody who, you know, is that in the That looks like Mikey Mormile, but... our producer there at the end. That's great. All right. Uh, okay. We're going to keep it going, Luke. Uh, you got to be careful giving keys to the kingdom to a kid when they're too young, Luke, okay? I know everything looks like toys these days. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> this is what happened when you, when you don't parent, you know, like in the modern era, we don't parent, you know, hard enough, Luke. You know, I try to be a little old school. You hit your kids? No, not anymore. But you know, I'm, 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 you know, I'm a disciplinarian, though, just the same. Yeah, this you know, is going to be me in like five years, so I yeah, can't talk shit. Absolutely. All right, two more for you, Luke. Uh, you know, when you become a dad at a certain age, you just got to put gymnastics away because bad things will happen. Let's check out this dad after a couple pops. Oh, dad. Oh, oh dad. Yep. Well, you know, dad. Dad, it ain't 1979 anymore. Sorry yep. to tell you. Now he's got a new at-home project to repair. Look, that's great. One more for you. Let's go, drunk chicks. Let's go on. I mean, look, you know, everybody wants to get off the wagon and and uh, and you know and get involved, but you got to be careful on that wagon. I can't believe they're white. It's so unlike them. <laughs> oh God, dude, that one is particularly good. Wow. Yeah, First of all, that, I hope that horse is okay. Yeah, yes, definitely. That the, the, the drunk one. chicks, nah, we they can be they can be replaced easy. All Those, right, there's... yeah, the heifers, I'm not too worried about. Roll that video one more time. This is great. Oh, look at them. Oh They're no, like my neck, my dude. They, they had the full spine bend on this. Oh one. yeah, my neck. And my that back. horse was yeah. not having it. That horse was like, "Fuck your life." I mean, who took it the worst? It's got to be this chick. Right th oh yeah, look, yeah. Oh yeah, the one who went ass over tea kettle, who nearly got uh, decapitated. That's the best yeah. one. Yeah. 
like you want to make a scorpions cover band yes we're never walking again that's great okay look that's the shit for the week that's all i got uh all right time now for uh odds and ends we see what do you got for odds and ends yeah we had to zone boxing from the uk over the weekend 35 year old daniel jacobs at super middleweight the former middleweight champion taking on look a tough aggressive john Ryder and luke First half of this fight, I thought it was, you know, 6 nothing, 5 to 1 in favor of Danny Jacobs. But credit to John Ryder for putting it on down the stretch. Once he figured out how to get inside Danny's jab, it was a different fight. Ryder surged in the second half, takes home a split decision. And Luke, there were already a lot of questions about what Danny Jacobs has left coming off of that long layoff, the win against Gabe Rosado, in which most thought he lost. I just did not like the body language of Jacobs as this fight heated up. Ryder was putting it on him. Jacobs just didn't have the zip on his punches. Look, I, I mean, it's not just a a want scenario because I think at his worst in recent years, sometimes you want Danny Jacobs to be more offensive, to take more chances. I, I don't think it's in him anymore, Luke. This is a big win for Ryder. He wants Canelo. I mean, you know, everybody wants Canelo, but uh, I'm not saying Danny Jacobs has to retire, but at 35, he is just not that dude anymore, Luke. And it was it's tough to see. I always huge respect for this guy. Got up against Triple G. I thought that fight could have been a draw, you know, fought well against Canelo, but beat cancer ha has been an inspirational dude, but it, it don't look like it's there anymore, Luke. Time comes for everyone, and Jacobs looked good early, right, but then faded down the stretch because that's probably what he's got to give at this point. He can be good for about half of it. He can be the old self or something pretty close to it for half, and then the other half he can't. And, um, and you know, that's nothing to say that Ryder didn't earn it inside, but you get what I'm pointing out. Like, I just don't think... You know, Jacobs was relying on a lot of skill, a lot of a lot of a lot of skill, but also that skill married with timing and taking his time as well to get his offense going at certain cases anyway. And yeah, time is closing in on him for that kind of style to work. Um, for my odds and ends, by the way, also Jamal Charlo getting arrested over the weekend. God, who the hell knows what's going to happen with that? But not not a great scenario. Yeah, it was, it the was, fight. there's no details uh, too deep on it, but it was a felony arrest for what assault of of a family member. That's what that's what the police report was. And by the way, he was arrested not too long ago and all the for taking money from a waitress and all the tar charges were dropped. I don't know what's going to happen here, but you know, if you're in the middle of Canelo negotiations, probably not the best idea to get arrested, but okay. Neither here nor there. Uh for my two for my odds and NBC, what did you make of Joe Rogan not being on the broadcast? It seemed like Michael Bisping was put there, I don't know, last minute, but seemed like fairly late in the game. Now, Dana White, UFC president afterwards, was asked about it. He said, well, uh, it wasn't a scheduling issue. Rogan could have worked tonight if he had wanted to, but he didn't really elaborate on why he didn't. And then during the course of the main event, he was texting UFC uh, commentator John Anik. Now, BC, I have zero evidence. I have not talked to Brendan. I have not talked to Joe. I don't know anything. And, you know, you could take Dana for what he says, but, like, Dana has, you know, he's lied on the record before. I just don't know what to make of anything he says at this point. Do you think... That Rogan took himself off so they wouldn't be a distraction, or that someone from Disney put down a call being like, hey, just let it breathe for one more event. What do you think? Um, because of the nature and tone in which Dana handled this, he was very dismissive and matter of fact. And look, from from his stance, while I may not always agree with Dana's stances, but look, you know, he has his own reasons I get from his stance why he thinks this is all just nonsense and you know, censorship and all that, even if I don't agree with it. But the way that he retweeted others for essentially acting like this was a giant witch hunt, it really leads me to believe, Luke, and, and, and how quickly that narrative went from, um, you know, scheduling conflict to no, that's just bullshit, that yes, Luke, he was asked by the higher-ups, whether that's ESPN or Disney or both, to just say, hey, let's sit this one out. Let's let 
this situation go by. Let's let's uh you know let's let's let it let's let it happen. And uh you know you saw some people having fun with it, saying can't wait to see Joe Rogan during Black History Month. You know maybe we'll have Michael Chandler on again to celebrate it. But uh it's tough, Luke, because when when you and I broke this down after after the Joe Rogan thing on on last Monday's episode. We both didn't really get to say everything we wanted to say, but I I did agree more on the whole idea that this is censorship and more of a witch hunt. But I also know that, like, look, as much as I want there to be some type of room for growth in people who, yes, if a video does come out of 10, 12 years ago when they were ignorant, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to see everyone lose it all. With it said, though, Luke, that was some pretty inflammatory stuff that came out. So, you know, I'm not against the idea of Let's sit this one out or let's forcibly sit this one out just to kind of, you know, clear the air a little bit. You just want everybody to be transparent about it. And I didn't think we were getting full transparency of what really happened. Yeah. I mean, who the hell knows? I mean, here's this, this is the only thing is like, do I take it as potentially true that Rogan had enough foresight to be like, been in a lot of controversy recently. Don't want to take away from the athletes. Let's just let them have their thing. Yes, that would, that does sound plausible to me. But the other thing that sounds plausible to me is that Disney was like, no, 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 no. Let this one pass and then he can come back and then uh, it'll be what it is. But, you know, the idea that like, I don't know. When does the UFC, whenever they're pressured to do anything by outside parties that they don't want to do, when do they ever get, like show restraint? It's just not their modus operandi. They're, they're like full bore into problems. That's what they like. So unless someone makes them do something else, I just don't, it doesn't sound plausible. But... Here's the deal. He'll be back for the next pay-per-view. So for everyone who missed him, good news. You're going to get him back at UFC 272. Luke, what is your ideal three-man team for the biggest pay-per-views every year? What, what's your choice? Are you Does it have in... to be three? Yes, it has to be. Th well, unless you want to go two. But it, it has to be two or three. And look, I've been on record saying that even though the Anik Rogan DC threesome um, can sometimes... You know, they can get things wrong. It could be more of an entertainment broadcast, and I, I tend to prefer that. I, I feel like I know, you know, enough about MMA that I don't always need to be educated. But I will say that Joe's kind of, even DC, they're kind of wearing on me a bit. I'm trying to figure out what is actually the best combination of everyone that we regularly see that should be their big fight team moving forward. I mean, it's all a matter of preference because, look, here's the thing. I've made this point before, and I think it was true for, for, for Saturday. Dude, MMA commentary is very hard to do. It's hard to be entertaining for the audience watching at home. It's hard to get, even if you were not trying to do that and you were just trying to describe the action as such, it's hard to pick up on what's happening in real time. It takes, you know, not just a very special uh, observer, but it takes, it's just, it, even the best ones miss a lot of stuff. It's very, very difficult to do. So, like, I don't think that there's any one combination. Like, I have some that I think are better. I don't think any one is a whole lot better than the other. But for me, Anik, obviously, I'm going to go Dominic Cruz. I think Dominic Cruz, for me, satisfies what I'm looking for. And then from there, you could probably throw in Bisping. I like Paul Felder as well. I like, I like DC uh, in the right circumstances. I think Dan Hardy is missed. I think Dan Hardy and Cruz probably would have been the best one, to be honest with you. But... A cruise in somebody else is what I would say. And then Anik, obviously. I th you know, maybe, maybe this. Maybe, because there are things about DC that people don't like. And I, I think Cruise is, is really the polar opposite of DC, right? Cruise is the non-sense of humor, you know, clean cut, give it to you, but yet it's really good and really well thought out. And DC is the entertainer who's been there. 
I think DC Cruz and 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 Anik might be the elite one. And I'm not against. I don't think Joe Rogan completely passed it. There's certain elements that Rogan brings that makes it feel like a big fight, and his reactions can be great. But you know, I I think we are at a point, Luke, and we've had this debate before where. Yeah, I mean, Cruz, Cruz is probably the best pure analyst they have. I, I agree with that. Um, we do have to get out of here because we have meetings and we have, I have another podcast for this fucking channel I have to do. So we got to get moving. But I want to remind everyone, thumbs up on the video, hit subscribe, of course. Don't forget Wednesday at, or excuse me, morningcombat at gmail.com will be the email for fan subs. And then Friday is dead wrong. Please get those in. Remember, BC is going to be on Showtime on Saturday. There's also going to be Bellator Friday. on Saturday. So I mean, you Friday, need Showtime. Yeah. Yeah, so, say again? Friday, Friday sorry. night show buck. Yeah. BC is on uh, Showtime on Friday. Bellator's on Saturday. Excuse me. Either way, you get a double header for boxing and MMA Friday and Saturday. If you want Showtime, Showtime.com, 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can pound sand. And then, of course, morningcombat.store for any merch. BC, any final thoughts before we close out an epic, epic today, a show for today? Um, I love this show. I love our people. We may not always agree, Luke, but we, we end up all showing up three times a week to make each other laugh, to make each other think. That's morning combat. I agree. I agree. Uh, BC, I will talk to you on Wednesday. Folks, don't forget, extra credit is coming up next. We'll talk a lot of Bobby Green and Hanato Moicano. And thank you so much for watching. For Malka, for Showtime, for CBS Sports, for everyone else involved, and to you listeners and observers and watchers, thank you so much. Until next time, may all of your gains be loyal.